FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmower and shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. There we go. LLG, good, or LGG, good to see you again. And Digger Dog, always a pleasure. And hi, Jules, how are you? Nice to see you. And I think I, this skipped on me, so I'll just scroll up a little bit here. See if Dave missed anything. Scott Rosen, how you doing? And that was the only one. All right, Super Chat is open. Hi, Mike Walker. Uh, George Hernandez, how are you? Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much in advance. And, of course, you can do your shopping at spacedoutradio.com and get some really cool swag along with Las Vegas, Nevada, May 19th the 21st, 2023. It is our Vegas party for the fans at the Golden Nugget. We'd love to see you all there. We will be getting you more details very, very soon. And uh, hello there. Uh, where, where are you? Big Dog, good to see you. Hey, remember, guys, do us a favor. Phil, thank you for kicking off the Super Chat, by the way. Very much appreciate your love and support of SOR. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Hit subscribe if you're new. And give us a comment after the show to let us know what you think. And it's a good way to help our algorithms around here. Horns up, everybody. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world... This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. 
We've got a fantastic show for you tonight. Melinda Leslie is here to talk about UFOs and secret notes. She's one of the best when it comes to this knowledge. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp for another Swamp Dweller story. Tim Sedor comes in for the UFO report, and Shirky Poo has the news. Melinda Leslie is a UFO abductee and has been public with both her own extraterrestrial and covert ops human abduction experiences for 31 years. She is considered by many to be the authority on a military and intelligence agency involvement in UFO extraterrestrial abduction cases. Her extensive abduction research and personal experiences have been featured in over 30 books by prominent authors in ufology. Melinda is an investigator in the UFO field for over 33 years and has researched individual involved in its cover-up. For 12 years, she has been the owner of UFO sightings tours in Sedona, Arizona, where she's conducted almost 1,600 tours with the use of military night vision goggles. We are always loving it when Melinda is here because she is just so amazing. Melinda Leslie, it's always a pleasure to have you here on Spaced Out Radio. How are you? Doing good, Dave. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me okay? You sound absolutely lovely. Absolutely well, lovely. Well, sometimes, sometimes when I do these interviews, I come on too loud. So feel free to adjust the volume because I'm a loud person. I admit that. No, never. Not you. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> first yeah, things first, true. one of the most important things we have to discuss tonight outside of yes. the Wilson documents, will you be making a return with Laurie and Fenton to the fan party in Las Vegas, like you did last year. Oh, well, certainly. Uh, I, I haven't been told when the date is yet or anything. So. Well, it'll be. Yeah, I want to come to that. May 19th through 21st, and I'll give you a little secret. Oh, yeah. Don't don't tell anybody. All right? Don't tell okay, anybody. Got it. We'll, we'll be we'll cel- keep it just we'll keep it just between us. Perfect. We'll be celebrating okay. Dave's 50th birthday that weekend, too. Oh, man, you're finally joining the rest of us. I know. In our senior years. (laughs) I know. Awesome, awesome. You're, you're, You're too young to be turning 50, my friend. Oh, I know, but I'm telling you, my body feels about 75 right now. I'm going to do something. I'm going to be doing something stupid tomorrow. I'm actually, oh, I'm oh, actually going. Stupid things usually means fun. Yeah, well, this ain't going to be fun. I'm actually going back to the gym tomorrow. I'm signing up uh, for a gym membership, and I got to lose some weight. I got to get healthy. I got to be looking as good as Dirty Filth is uh, all the time. And you know, <laughs> it's time to time to uh, loosen up the belt, so to speak, if we could put it that way. Sure. Well, you and me both, man, because, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I blame COVID, but COVID stopped and the weight kept coming. So. I know. <laughs> Fortunately, I can't. I, <clears throat> I apologize to everyone in advance for coughing tonight. I just took some lozenges. I got a big thing of some water right here because um, I'm getting over bronchitis. I've had it for about three weeks and uh, and it kind of keeps relapsing because I don't know how to stop. <laughs> Don't you? Be no. So, no. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. all right. So, I, for- uh, I forgot my glass of water outside the studio down the hall about 45 feet. So I can't even take a drink of anything until the, bo- the bottom of the hour. But that's okay. No, Melinda, you have you have always been an idol to many people in the UFO field, both, oh. both newcomers and uh, veterans alike who have looked into these and studied these c- categories. You know, and... 
you come at it from a little bit of a different perspective, being a multiple experiencer as well. How do you think being an experiencer has really shaped the way you think of ufology compared to, say, someone else who is new to the field and maybe has never seen a UFO or experienced the phenomena? Oh, it, it has it, every impact on it. First off, it's my, you know, driving force. I'm I end up being driven to like prove it to people. I mean, that's why I do my, you know, tours here is I want to provide the sightings to people because then I'm not alone. I'm with people who've had you know the experience as well, and um, and and I feel, you know, I, I admit I'm kind of driven to share the information, share the knowledge, educate people. Because I want people to know it's real, just like I know. Between you know the massive amount of sightings I've had, you know, even prior to doing the tours, but since then, I mean, just countless. You know, truth be told, and uh, I mean, I've seen structured craft on my tours. You know, like like you know, like this floating in the sky. You know, full structure, uh, sixty three times on my tours, and I've seen it. You know, easily another. 20 or more times in my life easily. I mean, that's being super conservative. So over 80 structured craft science. I mean, who, who can say that? So, but it, it, and then my lifetime of abduction. So it just literally drives me. Um, I mean, I never thought in my life ever, you know, uh, that I'd be in this subject, let alone speaking and lecturing and doing interviews and stuff. Um, and uh, and now it's like, you know, eighty percent of my life. It feels like you know it's just so much. And and uh, anyway, so there we go. It, so the bottom line to that is my experiences drive me to educate others. There you go. You have made a lifetime commitment to this subject, and you know, not many people could say that. I, I want to ask you a question. I've interviewed you so many times now that, you know, sometimes it gets repetitive. But I want to ask Th- you a question. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> I want to ask you a question I've never asked you. What did Lin- little Melinda Leslie want to be growing up? Because I could guarantee you back then it was not a ufologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for a long time, and, and it, it was to be a dancer. And I did that, you guys. Uh, not many people know this. A few people do. I used to dance in shows and parades at Disneyland. So I got to actually be a professional dancer for a period of time. And um, and so I did that, uh, started dancing when I was a kid and then danced, you know, through high school and everything. And uh, And so that was one thing I wanted to do. And then while I was in high school, I thought I wanted to get into archaeology because I loved digging up the truth, digging up old things. That's the truth, you know. And so I thought I wanted to do that, but I I don't think I was as motivated to excel in the math and sciences stuff that I would have needed to really pursue that. So um, so after high school is when I was dancing at Disneyland, and and uh, and there we go. So that's what I thought I wanted to do, dancer, then the archaeology. And, uh, and oh, Lorianne's in here, too. Oh, hi, Lorianne. Hi. <laughs> She's got our eye on us. Okay, good. <laughs> I'll consider myself warned. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so that was my, you know, that's what I thought I wanted to do when I grew up. And then and then I had a bunch of office jobs. And um, another thing that happened when I was in high school was learning that I was, 
intuitive and psychic. Well, I actually had been my whole life, but I owned it, came to terms with it, realized that's what I am, you know, when I was in high school and then pursued developing that. And now I do two loves full time. One is UFOs and the other is, is the psychic and paranormal stuff, you know? Wonderful. And so, so, uh, I know you can relate to that because that's, you know, those two things are, are equally the, the, the loves and what I spend time doing. Yeah. Well, let's get right to it here because we have a lot to go through over the next hour oh, and God. 45 minutes. And, <laughs> and I know that you are going to be pounding the information into us. And that's exactly what we're going to need here tonight. So for you... Uh, being the fact that you've been doing this for 33 years, you have met a lot of governmental contacts, and, and you have come up with this title called the Working Group for a number of these government agency people who have been sure. been along in the UFO world. Explain how you came up with the Working Group. Are you there, Melinda? Whoops! A little bit of technical stuff there. I'm I, I'm in my office at the Center for New Age, which is, believe it or not, the best internet I can get around. No, that's And it fine. still lags. So I apologize in advance to everyone if I lag every once in a while, because it's just the nature of where I'm doing this. And it's not so much even the center. It's called Internet in Sedona. You know, is famous for having a problem. Um, but in answering your question. Um, See what was your what was your question there again? Let me explain how explain explain how you came up with the working group. Okay, yeah. Well, I I I didn't come up with that. They called themselves that. You know, it was kind of a a a nickname um, for these individuals. Um, They, like you said, as I've been doing the UFO research and as I started to learn about my own covert human involvement experiences, uh, otherwise known as MILABs or military abductions. Um, as I realized I was having those experiences, I ended up um, coming across individuals constantly um, that were coming up working with my cases, abductees I was working with, had interfacing with these people. I had my own. And one thing led to another. Um, but even prior to that, there's a background, and I know we're going to get more into this later, but my background with knowing Jack Haug and how that started was years earlier before I was even involved in ufology. I knew this man and was friends with him because of what he was very famous for amongst many things. I can get into his bio a little later, but um, he was doing psychokinesis, uh, manipulating matter with the mind and teaching classes in that. And also teaching remote viewing. And so I had an interest in those things starting in like the early 80s. And and a friend of mine said, hey, this guy's coming to someone's house to do this class. I went there. Then he was doing it at New Age Educational Centers. And I went there. And so I had this background of knowing Jack Houck before I ever knew he was involved in anything. And apparently that whole time I knew him and him teaching those classes, he was very involved. But I had no idea about that yet. So it, it, it was in 1989. I, you know, I tell this story so many times, but a trip to Area 51 in Nevada that got me involved in the field and being a researcher and having those amazing sightings there and then going back and doing that repeatedly. And, uh, and that was the beginning of, of my involvement. But going back to the working group, 
they're kind of known as that. They called themselves the Advanced Theoretical Physics Working Group. And uh, per their first meeting, we'll get into that in just a minute here, but per their first meeting and uh, they may have met before then. We have every reason based upon a number of sources, but including Jacques Vallée and his work on what he called the, I think it was called the, the Secret College. Anyways, but going back and and uh, and that work, uh, and, and uh, so now we know it. I had reason already in my research to think it preexisted their first meeting in 1985. I... I it, Researcher Bill Burns, publisher of UFO Magazine and very famous for writing with Colonel Corso, the book The Day After Roswell. And he, um, of course, while Corso was still alive, I had shared some of my research with him. And Bill Burns goes to Phil Corso and asks him. And Corso said, wow, you know, how do you, you know, how do you know about that? And Bill said, conversations with me and et cetera. And, and Phil Corso actually tells Bill Burns, you go tell that young lady, she's got some, it was one of the best compliments I've ever had. Because Corso said, you go tell Bill Burns to come tell me, you tell that young lady, she has some serious cojones. <laughs> so there we go. So so I called that a, you know, a compliment coming from Phil Corso. And, and, and he ended up telling Bill Burns, yeah, I know about it. I was a member. And goes into how he knows that and how he was a member. And pre-existing so because of that conversation what bill burns told me i knew it actually pre-existed 85 and now we know from for instance um uh jacques valet's books uh forbidden science four i guess it's called um we know that it pre-exists forbidden science number three and number four it's a series of books he's writing but we know that it pre-exists uh the history that i originally looked into so i say i've been researching for 33 years or at least 30 years like a 40-year history of this group but again there's a lot of information to suggest it went back earlier but they had a formal meeting and bringing in new people and kind of kicking off a bunch of projects they wanted to do starting with this meeting at bdm corporation in 1985 so there you go Long answer, but there you go. No, that, that's wonderful for breaking it down and, and how you got to know Jack Houck uh, because Jack Houck at the time, you didn't know, would eventually almost come back from the dead and bring new ufology yes. to you in 2022. Yes. That's right. That's right. Well, it, continually, my whole period of time of knowing Jack, there were constantly things that resurfaced so it's like the gift that keeps on giving, you know, it's definitely come back, come back, come back. And, uh, and so it was just time to come back to it again because of the reference to Oak Shannon, who was a member of this group. You know, someone keeps texting me away and I don't know what they're trying to get to me. That's so all right. <laughs> Let's we'll just do I'm this here. People. Just don't keep sending me stuff because I'm. Um, oh, oh, I'm told by Nicole, Invisible College. N Nicole's out here giving me crib notes. I know. To help she, me. <laughs> she's giving them to me, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But uh, Invisible College. So thank you, Nicole. So that's the, you know, because I said, I'm going to brain freeze. I'm, you know, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be nervous, all these things. You know, I'm going to brain freeze. So she's there to help be my memory for me. But uh, I've been on the phone all, all day today um, with two very important research associates, um, my friend uh, Brian and and as well as uh, 
uh, Randy and, uh, you know, long, long conversation. So I called it my dress rehearsal for tonight um, to, you know, refresh my memory on some stuff. Um, so the working group is the advanced theoretical physics working group. Obviously, I already said that. And and that was the advanced theoretical physics conference that they had. And yes, they referred to themselves as, as a working group. So again, I, I didn't give them that. They, they were calling themselves that. So there you go. Okay, so let's move on here to, to Jack Houck. You know, yes. uh, how did you get to know him? And how did all of a sudden, you know, papers that ended up in your hands from him became, you know, very important into what we're seeing happening today? Yeah, uh, okay. It's kind of a complicated story but i'll go at it like this we got five Um, minutes before we go to break so if we have to we will carry it over okay 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 i'll try to give a a quick here um so like i said i knew jack out going back because of taking the psychokinesis classes from him um it wasn't until and i got involved in ufology starting in 1989 but it wasn't until a conversation with infamous Ed Dames, Major Ed Dames, retired, uh, and a conversation with him after he spoke for a MUFON Los Angeles meeting. Um, I was living in Southern California at the time and would go to MUFON LA meetings. And um, so he was there as a speaker. Uh, afterwards, long story short, ended up during his talk, during the questions talking about the kind of remote viewing uh, stuff that he trained, you know, throughout his talk, that's what it was about. And I stood up at the questions and, and I, at the time was actually taking remote viewing from Jack Houck. Now I've had it from some of the military guys now over the years, I've, I'm a trained remote viewer and I've had training from the various military guys and, and from Jack. But the time I was in a class with Jack and, uh, and so I stood up and asked a question. No big deal. But Ed kind of downplayed what I was asking. You know, you know Jack t- teaches something totally different, blah, blah, blah. And, and I could tell he was just like, you know, that's eh, not the same thing, whatever. And I'm like, okay, it's still coordinate remote viewing. It's still, you know. So I, I was okay with that. It wasn't a big deal. And then Ed leaves at the end of the, you know, presentation and everything. I stay late to talk to friends hanging out in the lecture room. And finally, I go quite late to go out to my car because a bunch of people go to Denny's afterwards, you know, and I was going to go to Denny's with everybody. And, uh, and long story short, uh, I go to exit the parking lot, and there was this gate you had to go through from a, a garden. And FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 877 Stop. CPA doesn't have to stand for burnout. At Aronson, we're here to help you pursue the career you want. Discover the resources and programming of a major accounting firm with the flexible, personal culture of a small team. Find a work life balance that works for you with benefits like unlimited PTO, fully remote options, and gender neutral parental leave. To personalize your journey and work as flexible as you live, visit slash careers. Aronson, chart your course. Patio area out to the parking lot, and Ed was still there. Because I thought, you know, it's got to be 45 minutes later. He's long gone. No, he was there with people gathered around him talking. And I go to walk past him and he says, um, so you, you're taking class from Jack Houck. He stops me and he goes, you're the one who asked the question about Jack Houck. I go, yeah. He goes, you. And he, anyways, he proceeded to kind of wrangle me and take me away from everyone. And it was just him and I talking in the parking lot. And he says, there's something I want you to ask Jack Houck about. Anyways, long story short, he tells me about the working group. He names a bunch of the members. We can get into that in a minute here. He names a bunch of the members and uh, et cetera. And so he tells me a lot. And and at the time, I felt like Ed Dames was telling me that he and these people had been part of like MJ12. That's what it felt like at the time. And uh, And what he didn't know because I did not get into in my question that I was taking remote viewing currently from Jack. I just said, oh, I've taken remote, remote viewing from him in the past and blah, blah and I had a question. Uh, so <clears throat> he says, uh-oh, I lost Dave. No, Can everybody hear me? I hope we're right okay. here. We got you. All right, I'm going to keep going. But I lost Dave on here. We got oh, you. Just keep going, Melinda. Hang on. It froze up. I'm going to hold on until it unfreezes. All right. Melinda Leslie is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio, and we are talking about Jack Houck in regards to... It froze up for a minute. Can you hear me? Yes, Melinda, we can hear you. All right. She's frozen up a little bit here on her end. Uh, we got about one minute to go before we have to go to break. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to see if Melinda's... uh, cut right through here for just a quick second uh there she goes there she is and uh there you go melinda can you hear us now okay sorry okay sorry buddy it froze up for a minute apologize okay so it's a froze up i don't know where i left off can you do you know where i left off Well, you, you were talking about uh about getting to know jack Houck and and you know how you were learning about the working yeah, yeah. group and, and so so i was saying did you hear me out yeah how ed dames had told me yeah yes Okay, so so what I didn't realize at the time is I think Ed uh, maybe was asked to leave the group or something like that because I think he used me to kind of, um, uh, I guess, I hope I can say this on your show, piss them off. (laughs) I just did. But um, so that he, you know, he wanted to, you know, I think he was kind of mad at him and and used me to get back at him is was my feeling about it now. And he proceeded to uh, tell me this, give me a list of names, and say, are you going to, and then he said, are you going to talk to Jack soon? Are you going to see him soon? And what he didn't know. Let's hold on right there, because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. We're getting through a little bit of tech issues. Sedona, Arizona prefers aliens over internet, but we still love Melinda Leslie right here on Spaced Out Radio. More talk of the Wilson 
documents Jack Houck as well after this. All right, we're clear. Okay, cliffhanger. Sorry about that. I hope it better not keep doing that here. That's really going to piss me off because I do a lot of interviews where there's no problem at all, and then sometimes there's a bunch. And I'm the only one here right now, so there should be no glitches. Nobody else on the internet. There, it shouldn't be happening. So I apologize for that. That's, it, you know, I, that it shouldn't okay. be happening. That is okay. That is okay. And because there's a delay, I'm going to try not to talk over you because people get mad at me about that. And I think it's it, – Nicole once explained to me and a couple other people, it's probably the headset to, you know, in combination with the slow internet. And so I don't think I'm talking over someone because there's a delay. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's okay. Melinda, I'm just going to quickly go grab my water here. So I'll be right back in like two seconds, okay? Sure. Sure, we can complete that story when we come back. Ah, I'm I'm seeing the chat. Oh, there's Brian. Hi, Brian. Well, Brian, it has nothing to do with me with the internet. It's totally the center for New Age, and they have really good internet. Usually. <laughs> Pay a hell of a lot for it. So I don't know what's going on. But usually it's it's the it's the center for the new age. All right. Hey Cherry Pepsi Mike. How's the piano key necktie doing? Please let us know. Penman, Dark Winter Wolf, Anonymous Rex, how are you? Nicole's sending me things, but I don't have time to go over them. She's sending me. I don't have time to go over them. That's okay. Now now I I also have um, other people text me. It's like, you guys, I can't be replying to everybody, so. Uh, okay, she says, don't worry about if I freeze up. Lorianne says, keep going. The keep audio going. is fine. The audio okay. is fine. Just keep going. Okay. okay, thank you. Yes. Oh, Brian said, thanks for the mention. So Brian and Randy really helped me today with my dress rehearsal. <laughs> you know, refresh my memory. And <coughs> it was great. Uh... But, All right, uh, we, yeah. we have about uh, two minutes here. Two minutes. Wonderful. All right. Uh, oh, what's Nicole saying? Cherry Pepsi Mike says, if I had Melinda's phone number, I would just send her funny cat pictures. I I like funny cat pictures. That would be good. <laughs> Although I may not have time to get a bunch of funny cat pictures. Um Nicole's telling me Ed Dames is in the Oak Notes and Oak is in Wilson Davis Notes. Yes, we know that. We'll, we'll get there. I'm just starting with the basics. It's so much to to cover. You know, it's one thing when we come back. Um, well, I'll finish with yeah. that story, but then I might say something that, you know, uh, why this is so important, why it matters, you know. 
Anyhow, so sorry you guys for not being that exciting during the break. Anybody have a question or anything I can answer during the break? Uh, no. Just, Everyone has just, time for funny cat pictures. Yes, I see that. Just chill. You know, we're just going to chill and relax. And... Okay, that's good. I need to do that. Especially Dave knows and Nicole knows. I was at a restaurant. Now, Sedona right now is really, really busy. And our restaurants are all completely understaffed, like, you know, crazy. And so you can go in, and if they're busy, service can be, you know, and even just getting a check or trying to pay why they try to do the check for 20 other people at the same time, you know, it's just like, oh, my God. So um, anyway, so I was a little rushed. I made it. I made it. You I made it. Dave hanging, but but uh, it was by you the skin it. of my teeth, skin of my teeth, because I was in a restaurant, and I'm darn if I didn't want to be here like 20 minutes earlier and be up and on and all relaxed, but no. Oh, I, but I, I rushed. I made it. I knew, I knew this was exactly the way it would be. Because everyone, well, everyone we do is, and I love it that okay, way. Well, I gave, okay, okay. Well, I gave, you know, I gave myself all this time to go to this restaurant. And this is a restaurant that's normally not that busy. And I just happened to hit them right when they were, we, they had all these giant groups in there. And I gotta, just messed it Got to cut it off right there. We got 10 seconds. Okay. Thank you, YJ and Phil, for kicking off the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate your love. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. And if you're new, hit subscribe. We'd love it. Here we go. Second half hour of Space Now Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. All right, <laughs> let us go to Melinda Leslie, who is here tonight. That, that's Talk- very funny. That's very funny from our artist. And my bees at the door. <laughs> Be right back. Yes, Dirty Filth has quite the <laughs> sense of humor there. <coughs> Melinda right. Leslie is our guest tonight on the show, and she is breaking down the next part of the set of documents that you have had in your possession, Melinda, for a while. However, they really started to make sense when the Wilson Davis documents came yes. out. Uh, let's give a so, brief synopsis of all of this. Okay, okay. Um, so for clarity for everyone, there's three different documents, but really quick because we left them kind of hanging with the Ed Dames running, you know, and him telling me, he said, do you know Jack? And I said, yeah. And he said, are you going to talk to him anytime soon? And I said, maybe, well, because I wasn't going to let on to Ed right then that I was going to see Jack the very next night for the class. And he said, well, if you see him sometime soon, ask him about this. And he told me, like I said, about the working group and he named names and everything. And so the next night, because, you know, Ed said, if you see him anytime soon, ask him, he'll have, I'm sure, you know, Ed was like, I'm sure he'll have a very interesting reaction. Well, he wasn't kidding because the next night, 
when I said something to Jack, Jack went ballistic. And I thought, I thought, I actually thought Ed Dames was in danger because of the way Jack reacted. And Ed obviously told me something he wasn't supposed to. And, and Jack was very, very upset. And he said, what all did he tell you? And we talked about it. Um, I had hung out after the class, after everyone left and ended up having prior to our conversation with Jack Houck all about it. And, um, and basically he confirmed the things Ed had told me. And then he even told me more, but it was because I already knew so much that he felt, you know, maybe diffusing it and being honest about it was, you know, the better, the better path. And so he told me about it. And, um, and, and that led to my meeting some of the other guys involved and asking them and multiple conversations and it just grew over time. But that's, that was the beginning of it. So that's how it started. Um, Upon Jack's death, um, so let's clarify for him because you brought up, there's actually three different notes in, in play here, if you will. One is hopefully well known to your audience, and that's the Wilson Davis notes. We can give a little bit of background for those that may be less familiar. But you have the Wilson Davis notes, and then you have the Oak Shannon notes from the original meeting in 85, and my Jack Houck notes from the original meeting in 85. So now, uh, Grant Cameron and I came forward uh, with our sets of notes. He had the Oak Shannon notes, and I had the Jack notes, because there was, I, I won't go into any detail, hopefully everyone's familiar, there was an interview that was done on another podcast of Oak Shannon. And um, when the person doing the interview had first mentioned that he was had interviewed Oak, I had I'd already had on my to-do list for like a month to call Grant Cameron and say, everybody's talking about Oak Shannon. We need to go forward with our notes. Now, I had, through Keith Basterfield, at least a year earlier, maybe it was even two years, I don't remember exactly when, at Keith's request, I had provided Jack's notes to him. And so they had already been made public on Keith Basterfield's, uh, you know, blog, you know, site. But I'd kind of actually forgotten that, so <laughs> tell you the truth. And so I ended up, um, when this got announced that it was an interview of Oak Shannon and within 48 hours it's going to be up for everyone to see or whatever, and I had already had on my to-do list, call Grant because you and Grant should come, you know, I was going to call Grant and say, we need to come forward with both our sets of notes to back up that Oak's going public because we have information to support who Oak Shannon is. And, uh, but I didn't call him. So all of a sudden Grant puts out on Twitter, I'm going to publish my notes. Well, I picked up my phone and called him. And I said, Grant, uh, I have Jack's notes, which he knew. And I said, wouldn't it be stronger if we published them together? And he agreed. So that led to our doing that. But we were doing that, just so everyone's clear. We were doing that to support that Oak Shannon had come out and his significance in this story and his contribution, why it matters in regards to Wilson Davis. So we felt, let's back this up, you know, let's give some our supporting evidence. So it's kind of like I actually came out with the documents again, you know, re-released them again. And of course, Grant Cameron had never released his Oak notes because he had been given those. I think he probably told you all about this, right? you know, that he had been given those by Eric Davis. 
right? He's mentioned that on your show, I think. Okay, so he'd originally got those, but when that happened, years before, he had told Eric Davis he agreed that he wouldn't go public with him until after Oak died. Well, once Oak had made a public statement, then Grant was like, well, shoot, Oak Shannon's public. I don't need to wait till he's dead. He's public and he's admitted it. So now I can come forward with him. And and again, so that's when I said, I'll back you up. So I kind of published my notes again, as the case may be, to back up the Oak notes that Grant had. And both of us were backing up that Oak Shannon had come out and his contribution to the story. So that's kind of why this all happened in the chain of reactions. Now, the notes that Grant and I have are both Oak Shannon's notes from the BDM Corporation meeting in 85 and the Jack Kalk notes from the meeting in 85. And those matter because they do speak to the working group and the fact that the meeting was at BDM. Because in the um, – tell me, Dave, if I'm bouncing all, no, all you, over you, for you. No, you're, you're, okay. you're providing okay. a great timeline here. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So um, – you can bring up, Dave, if you have the image, it'd be really great to show the image of the section from – we don't need to show the whole Wilson Davis document, but the section that specifically talks about what we're talking about here. I'm just uh, finding it here. Uh, it's, the, it's black and white text and those four images I gave you. Yes, yes, I have that. All right, let me just pull it up here. If uh, There we go this one here okay so yeah that's it that's it perfect so it probably most of the people have seen this if they're familiar with wilson davis um this section here specifically is is uh let me get a print here of it myself uh, i may not have it handy that's all right i can i can read it here um but it specifically is um <coughs> <coughs> now this is Okay, now this is based upon, so you guys were going to kind of suppose some stuff here, okay? So I'm not here to say whether the meeting happened or not or whatever, okay? Let's kind of just suppose there, there was a meeting, okay? And let's kind of suppose that Eric Davis, you know, wrote these notes, okay, Dr. Eric Davis. So, and we can get into the background of how Eric was there and why. But in this particular moment right here, you have, you have, uh, T.W., meaning uh, Admiral Wilson, I guess it's Thomas Wilson, right? Um, talking about uh, talking about, I guess, Miller. And, uh, and then he goes on to say uh, <clears throat> that Oak, meaning Oak Shannon, had told him, so he had had previous conversations to this with Oak Shannon, and that Oak Shannon told him all about uh, J.A. Well, we we always surmise that that was John Alexander. I think that's clear now that it was. And he mentions the AP10 group meetings at BDM. And then goes on to talk more about it. And it says uh, Oak, uh, Oak Belong, um, you know, uh, Oak, briefed, Oak briefed me on this whole BDM thing uh, and uh, talked about the RV program, the remote viewing for 10 minutes. And, uh, and, and Wilson says, I knew something about this RV. And Oak said that I, meaning Wilson, uh, uh, meaning, uh, I'm sorry, meaning Eric, Eric Davis, EWD there. So Oak said that 
himself, Eric, writing these notes, said, would keep my mouth shut, uh, no media uh, connection, obey all restrictions, not in government, you know, uh, non government, uh, no clearances, but um, pedigree excellent. In other words, he could trust him, you know, to do this meeting. So it's clear here, and it was clear throughout the document that 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 uh, Oak Shannon and his friendship previous with uh, Wilson had made the connection for, in fact, uh, you know, made the connection and and was kind of giving the introduction and saying, hey, you can talk to Eric. He's representing these other guys and uh, and you can talk to him and you can trust him and he's a good guy. I know who he is. And uh, and so so Admiral Wilson was taking that on Shannon's uh uh, introduction of Eric and saying, "Hey, you know, you can trust this guy. He's a good guy." So, so this is where uh, Oak Shannon is making the introduction to Admiral Wilson in previous conversations. That Wilson then, right now, in these notes in this meeting, is bringing that up, saying, "He said I could talk to you. I said I could trust you, and he told me about the a- AP10 group at BDM." So, so that's why that matters, and then. And then uh, we now know uh, that, so again, it's kind of hard to get all into this, but, but I'll try to do my best here. So why does that matter? Well, first off, it speaks to the validity in part of these notes, okay? Now, someone on the internet brought it to my attention. It doesn't necessarily prove that the meeting happened. I get that, okay? But what it does prove, as someone brought to my attention, is that Eric wrote these notes because all the things talked about right there were things that Eric Davis knew, okay? So Eric Davis knew all this and knew the history of the group, but if we're believing that he was actually interviewing Wilson, Wilson brings up, I know about the group because Oak Shannon told me about it. Oak Shannon. FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted Paris only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to.
and it told me about the meeting at PDM and the at BDM and the AP10 group. So it's right there. So what that suggests is, is again, Shannon had gone over that background. Why does that matter? Because, because Shannon was telling Wilson about the working group. That's what he's referring to there. And how do we know that is a couple of different things that are further evidence. So bring up the security clearance page, if you could. There, Dave. This, everyone, you, there, I'm sure Dave will put in the links if he hasn't done so already, and hopefully he has it there, a link to these documents. Um, Isaac Coy, a researcher in the field known for having a site hosting documents and everything, long story short, he put these up for Grant and I. And so there are links to that, and hopefully everyone's seen it. I've sent them on Twitter multiple times, and you know, so hopefully people have seen that. And may, Dave, do you have them linked? I, now, do, I, I do not. I'm, I'm going to be doing that. Just continue on here, uh, okay. Melinda. Okay. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, this is the security page to Oaks Notes, and I'm sure hopefully Grant probably went over this with you. But one of the things it says there, um, it's kind of hard to see, but it mentions that this this was Los Alamos National Laboratories getting the permission for these guys to use this room at BDM, and so that's a Los Los Alamos National Laboratories form saying these guys, you know, are, are seeking permission to use this secure skiff at BDM in Virginia, etc. And so it mentions the, the location on there. Long story short, mentions the location. It says BDM. So that's why this is important because here's the security official sheet mentioning that this is going to be happening in this secure facility at BDM. And then go to Jack's page, which is blue if you would. There we go. And this is from Jack Houck's notes. And at the top it says, he, he, he's titled the group, the advanced physics. So that's AP, right? And you see at the top left, if you're able to see it there, it says BDM vault and has some phone numbers. BDM vault meaning the secure skiff at BDM. So there's another separate document from a separate individual. These were released separately. Oh, I, you know, Really quick, I'm going to sideline here because sure. I never said how I got these, or I don't think I get clarity on how I got these, okay? After, so, after Jack Hout died, his wife, another friend of mine, friend of mine, Steve, another researcher in this, he had become very good friends with Jack. We both were friends with Jack for years, but he had become kind of even better friends and friends with his family. So the wife... Jack's wife, after he passes, found these two file boxes of interesting stuff. She, they took out anything they wanted that the family wanted to keep. But she says, you know, there's this other stuff, like kind of UFO-related stuff. And she said to Steve, she said, would you and Melinda, because she knew me, you know, would, would you guys want this? And Steve said, well, let me come see. So he goes to their house, which was in Huntington Beach, California. He was in Garden Grove, California. Anyways, and gets these file boxes. Proceeds to take them home and go through them. Steve was very good friends with myself and my research associate, Randy Copang, who I was on the phone today with and for a long time, many hours. But anyway, so here, here, Steve calls Randy and I, starts with me and says, I found some things I think you'll be interested in, starts reading to me over the phone. Of course, my jaw hit the floor because, see, I'd only known 
again, what Ed originally told me in, in that after that lecture in the 90s, and then my various conversations with the various members over years. And so Jack passed in 2013. So it's here in 2013 that I, and then what Steve did is he copied the notes and sent me a first generation copy. So this, so this is a first generation copy. And that highlighting there is something I added because I do use four pages of this. I give a extensive lecture presentation on the history of the working group. And if anyone wants to know more about that detail, they can watch that presentation. But And it's online. You can find it easily. And in that presentation, I used just four pages of the 17 pages I got from, from these files of Jack's. So again, Steve makes a copy, puts it in the mail to me, and that's how I get my set. So directly came from Jack's wife to Steve and a copy set to me. So just so everybody knows that's really clear, like how we got a hold of those. And then I sat on them for years because they mattered to me in my research, my research into Milabs and understanding that these guys always had an interest in abductees. And, uh, and so I was looking at them for that information. And then once I started to talk about, so I shared it in, in my Milab talks, but then I shared those four pages in, in my history of the working group. And it wasn't until Keith Basterfield said, gee, you talk about there's more to this. Can I have the rest of it? That he asked me for it and, and posted it. And, uh, and like I said, then we had Isaac repost it. So that's the history of, of, the, um, of, of the Jack Hout notes and how I got them. And uh, now, now it's because of these comments like this, like BDM vault in the corner and advanced physics at the top, that they really serve to help back up the other notes. Okay, and and in these notes, it is the agenda page. We won't need to show that, but people can look at it or if they've already seen it. Uh, the agenda sheet, and I have the same exact agenda sheet that is in the oak note. So those match between my set and Grant Cameron's set. But the rest of it's different. I have copies of these overhead projection slides in the Jack notes that weren't in the oak notes, but Oak's notes are all handwritten notes by him. And yes, some of this projection slide pieces that I have have handwritten notes from Jack. So it's a combination of the overhead projection copies you know back then you guys there's no powerpoint they were using an over good old-fashioned overhead projector and so there were copies of of what those transparencies would have been and then there were notes in there by jack and then there was probably um written by him in pencil some extensive kind of spreadsheet things that, that i question may have been made into overhead transparencies by jack and that because there were this meeting went on for a couple of days and different people involved in this group were presenting at different times over the couple of days that the meeting happened. And so I think Jack may have been presenting some information himself. We know that because, well, we know that he was because in Oak's notes, it says Jack Houck said and blah, blah, blah. So it actually right. Oak lists who was presenting at what time. But going back to the bottom of this page, this is the most significant one because if everyone goes to the very bottom of the page you can see it says advanced theoretical physics you know dash 10 t-e-n and then under it quotation 
mark, ATP 10, quotation mark, thus matching. I mean, what a find. And now I have to tell everyone, it was a, a gentleman online on Twitter who goes by the Twitter name, Hermetic Penetrator, that, that uh, Hermetic, I think that's right, Hermetic Penetrator, anyways, but he was the one that first saw that this notation was there. The notes had been posted and I just started to read through them, but had not gotten to this page yet. So I had not seen this. And he posted online, look, and he had that section that you just showed from the Wilson Davis. And he had that, and then he showed this next to each other. So I have to give him credit that he brought this to my attention. And I then, you know, started talking about it like, oh, my God, what a fine. To have it mention the exact same code for the working group, the exact same code name, AP10, except for on here it's ATP10, but you can it's obviously the same thing. And so when, and, and also because these are Shannon's notes, so that's Shannon writing it, and it's Shannon then telling Wilson. So to me, that's incredible evidence that Shannon had that conversation with Wilson, that Wilson brought up that code name, and it just happens to also be in these notes that Grant had sat on all these years, but had not seen that part until he published them. And so no one had seen that section that's saying APT10 till these were published online. Wow. And then all of a sudden people are going, wait a second, that exact same reference is in Wilson Davis in the notes. So so it, it ends up being, um, again, evidence that definitely um, Eric wrote these and, and that he knew that and likely evidence, thus, you know, extrapolating, that therefore Wilson brought that up because Shannon had told him. And, and it makes sense. It's in Shannon's notes. So if Shannon's telling Wilson about the group and why Eric is talking to him, who's sending Eric? Well, you guys, these documents, meaning the going back to the Wilson ones, were found together in files that had belonged to Dr. Edgar Mitchell. And these series of files together were with things with letterheads and notations and emails and whatnot that all mentioned NIDS, National Institute of Discovery Science. Well, this is where it also gets tricky because National Institute of Discovery Science was one of the incarnations of a group of people that had formed in 85 formally. It probably existed going back into the 70s, okay? Without a doubt, okay. But then formally had a meeting kicking off projects they were going to work on. It wasn't just a meeting. It was a seminar that went on for many days. And and so there they have the seminar for many days. They're kicking off what they're going to do in these projects and work assignments. Melinda, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. We are going to continue sure, with you in hour number two of the Oak Shannon, Wilson Davis, and Jack Houck notes. It's an incredible story, how it's all coming together piece by piece like a puzzle. Melinda Leslie, our guest on Spaced Out Radio, continues right after this. All right, Melinda, we have about six minutes here. So we're going to put dirty okay. filth up nice and big. You can. Re- I'm going to mute you, yes. mute me, and uh, we can relax for a couple minutes. I'll be right back, okay? Dirty, it's on you, man. It's on me. Excellent. 
Well, normally I'd be writing notes, but I got to draw cartoons. So, and drawing cartoons is a lot more fun than writing notes, at least in my opinion. So all I can tell about this cartoon is we're gonna have government officials. Basically, is all it is. Square so was in a time warp. It was like ten minutes ago. The show just started. Here I am now. Just done all the done all the painting parts. You know, I think my cats have stolen some of my paints because they're just in little tiny jars, and I swear I'm missing some. And the fact that there's no cats around basically proves my point. Truth and their whiskey rations will be halved. Let's color in the old man in black. He counts as a government official. So he's got that nice hat. Nice hat with the card sticking out of the top of it. I don't know why there's a card sticking out of the top of it. I think it must have been just the movies I watched when I was a wee lad and all the mobsters and 1950s type guys always had that card sticking out the top. Or maybe it was just some subconscious thing that just seems to work good. It looks good on cartoon. It looks good on paper anyway, so that's the important part. They gotta be Purple and black, because you get to accent the black with a little bit of purple. Purple's a great color. All right, there he is with his suit. Oops. Oh, yeah. And black. I'll give him a little more color once it dries up a bit. Nonetheless, though, his speech box is black and on the border and gray on the inside. Because I've got it marked down. See, look at that. All the different ghosts and human and man in black and Sasquatch and Thunderbirds and gnomes and dogmans. Got to keep it consistent. It's very important. Except for drawing these things about 10,000 times. If I don't make them all look relative, the voice box is the same, then you won't know who's talking if someone's hiding in a bush or inside of a UFO or something flying through the galaxy. So that's why I decided to create all these different colors for the speech balloons instead of just one speech balloon. Well, there you go. Something probably never even thought about, but there you go. A little dive into Dirty Field's brain. It's not getting dark enough for my liking, but that's all right. They can always go back to it. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. The darkness. Show me again the power of darkness. 
By the way, if you're bored, you can go to filthy.com and look at my cartoons there too when when you're at work when you should be working. That's cuz you're You can buy my book and use it to you can use it to line your birdcage. Sometimes I actually go look at my own website and I go, God, that's pretty good stuff there. And I go, oh, I did that. Nice. You're a master there, Dirty Filth. A master. Oh, I'm a, I can lead the orchestra pretty good, but I'm not quite master yet. I haven't grown that long beard and live on top of a mountain or anything. Ah, uh, we get you, buddy. We get you. Looking good. Look at Melinda Leslie there. Looking gorgeous as ever. Hold on. Let's take her off mute. I look pale in this lighting, but it's the lighting in my office. Yeah, we love our dirty filth around here. Drawing cards. You know, everybody should be wearing spooky masks during October. Careful. Careful, because that idiot El Avdi Volador may show up. Steel chair to Dave's head. Hello, Michelle <laughs> O'Rourke Johansson. Kelly Borat, welcome. And I want to say a big thank you to Pam, Samantha, YJ, and Phil for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Hit that uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways, whatever it may be, in order to support what we do. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Odorimetry. Odorimetry is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight. Melinda Leslie is here talking about the Jack Hauk documents that tie into the Oak Shannon documents that tie into the Wilson Davis documents. It's important puzzle pieces that are coming together all to define what the United States government and its alphabet agencies and military know about UFOs. Is it real? Is it just pieces of the puzzle? Is it just people speaking? Melinda, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Thank you, Dave, for having me. So so the, the point I was just making is these cross-reference documents, two documents from 1985, unrelated to each other, but, but other than that they were notes from the same meeting two, taken by two different gentlemen, make references 
to the AP10 group, and then you have, and specifically Oaks, and then you have Wilson saying in this meeting, Oak told me about the group at PD, BDM and the the AP10 group, and and it's just remarkable that Oaks notes from 85 actually mention that in it. So now we know that the AP10 group is the working group. I knew that when I first saw them, but you know, and everybody else knows it too. And it's incredible evidence. And that, yes, Davis would have known that. Um, but he's saying that Wilson, you know, was saying it, not not Davis, that, that Admiral Wilson said, Shannon told me all about it. I know about the group at BDM. So to me, this is evidence that, that not only did, did Eric write these notes, but that but that Wilson actually said this to him, you know, that Admiral Wilson, Thomas Wilson actually said those words to him. Oh, Melinda, you froze up there for a quick second. We'll bring, bring her out until she unlocks. There she is. All right. Melinda, thank you for joining us. Okay. Dave, do you got me? We I got you. Freezing up again. Yeah, we got you. Keep going. Okay. So, uh, Okay. And you've frozen up. FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted Paris is only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. Again. Yeah. Okay. I I know. I waited to make sure it was unfreezing. Okay. Continue on, Melinda. Sorry about that, guys. Gosh. Okay. So that's all. So so again, the, the evidence in support. Yeah, the evidence in support in support of the documents is is here. You have Admiral Wilson, you know, telling Eric Shannon told me about this, and then we have multiple sources backing this up. Where the meeting happened, its name, the name of the group, and BDM on an official security Los Alamos Laboratories piece of paperwork, you know, official, you know, asking for this use of the skip. So right there, that is on there. Then we have Oak's notes mentioning the code and Jack's notes mentioning. So we have these multiple things, un, you know, again, seemingly unrelated to each other, backing up what it says in the Wilson notes as far as that particular thing. And 
The whole point to why Oak Shannon's name shows up in Wilson Davis is because he was the connection to the working group people sending Eric to, to do this interview of him. And how do we know that? Well, because this was all on NID's uh, paperwork that was with this in this file in Dr. Edgar Mitchell, because Edgar Mitchell was going to work on a book with a space historian, is my understanding. The space historian stuff got this stuff from him. And then Eric and then Dr. Mitchell, you know, passes. And so this guy goes to Australian researcher James Rigney and who he knows, and long story on that, but he knows him. And he says, and this so this this Australian researcher who's a space historian goes to Eric, you know uh, James Rigney and says, do you want any of this stuff? James Rigney uh, tells him anyways. James Rigney, my understanding is, goes to either this guy's home or office and gets to go through documents and pick what he wants. He, he finds the infamous emails. That was a separate document. Um, and then a couple of things on NID's letterhead, original full-color NID's letterhead, you know, stationary, and and then as well as these. And these things are together. He goes through, he takes out what he thinks is significant, and then he brings them to a UFO conference. Uh, he, he lived in Australia, he come to the U.S. to a conference. Grant Cameron was in the U.S. for that same conference and shares them with Grant. Grant, knowing the history of the group, much like me, knew the name Oak Shannon when he read it and the significance of that. And so to Grant, that meant, oh, my God, that's such an obscure name. For that name to be in here, this is is a reference to the working group, and therefore this is probably you know legitimate because that's such an obscure reference. Who would know that? And, um, and that these are Eric's notes because he has Oak's notes from Eric. <laughs> So Grant is realizing how significant these are. He's like, oh, my God, these are notes from Eric from this meeting that happened with this admiral who told him these mind-blowing things, you know. And then I have these notes that Eric gave me that are Oak Shannon's notes, you know. So Grant knew right away because of that, that that they were legitimate. And then at the same time as when I got shown these, long story short, by uh, much like Grant was shown by uh, uh, the same gentleman, uh, James Rigney. That's how I saw them. And so so it was like, okay, I knew as soon as I saw the name Oak. Now, Jack's Houck's notes don't have Oak's name in them, but they reference so many things about the meeting and the outline, and you, know, you can clearly tell. And the overhead projectors, Oak's notes follow verbatim what the outline and the overhead projector slides are. So, you know, they clearly go together. And and then they both have the same, exact same agenda, typed agenda sheet, you know, in both notes. So clearly they go together and and uh, and it's clearly notes from the from the same thing. Um, there were other sources to knowing about Oak's name um, back um, in my research, long story short. So it was it was that I did know Oak's name. Uh, through th- some other sources, but um, and through some of the the list of names that either people had published and or had told me about privately. Melinda, one of the most important things that I think the public has a hard time understanding about the importance of these notes is yeah. what is on them. What are they about? Why do should we care about these notes and how they're absolutely. coming together? Absolutely, well, perfect time there, Dave, because I was just about to get into into that. So. 
the uh, I'm sorry, let's go with Wilson Davis. The Wilson Davis notes talk about a reverse engineering program that had gone into the hands of private corporation. And Wilson apparently had gone to guys running because he was he was in charge of Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time and gone to the guys with the oversight SAP special access program directors and gone to them and said, I'm being told, and, and I'll go back and give the background on how I was, was told. There was originally a meeting, this infamous meeting with Dr. Stephen Greer and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and the Colonel, uh, Admiral Wilson uh, and Greer and some other people, Sherry Adamiak, I think, was with them. And at the time, uh, we know that Dr. Edgar Mitchell was there because Dr. Edgar Mitchell had since spoken about it in a couple of interviews that are on the record and there's videotapes of him mentioning this so he was present and uh and will miller okay so this meeting happened and and it was greer through will miller and maybe also the connections because it it seems to be that wilson also knew dr edgar mitchell so you know because of both of them there or one or the other they said there's this guy you know they made the meeting happen and greer briefs wilson on a whole bunch of things reverse engineering crash retrievals you name it okay and brings up this stuff will my understanding is wilson says to them i don't know a lot about this but i'll look into it okay and apparently so after that meeting He looked into this. He goes to these guys working under him, heading up these uh, the approval for the SAPs and the funding of the money. And he says, "Is this true? Is this going on anywhere?" And and uh, and starts looking into it. They refer him to an aerospace company. Uh, The name is never said in the documents, but everybody looking at him tends to think it is very likely. Uh, for a number of reasons, I, it's a long list, laundry list, but a number of reasons why we think it's probably Lockheed. Okay. Okay. And, but, uh, but it doesn't actually name it in the documents, but he goes to this aerospace company and, and because these SAP directors say, here's some people you can go ask. So they arrange for that. He goes and asks, but they basically said, this is a, this is corporate, you know, uh, corporately owned material and we don't have to tell you you know and he's like well wait a second your guys is getting funding for military projects is because of these guys working under me and i'm you know this is this is my jurisdiction this is my oversight you don't exist and you don't get these projects unless through me you know and they said nope corporate you know <laughs> corporate you know secret here you don't need to know and they send them away well he's furious and now because edgar mitchell's there and edgar mitchell is on at the time the board of directors for nids national institute of discovery science dr edgar mitchell's on their advisory board and the guys involved knew will miller and so through either will miller or you know some connection now it's somebody knew someone in that group obviously knew that oak shannon already knew the admiral that they we're all in conversation about other stuff. So at that point, at that point, they say, oh, they, they decide to send Eric. Now, I'm not sure why they decided on Eric. Uh, I was talking to some people on the phone today about this and we're going, okay, you know, is, is it that Eric knew all the tech, 
technical stuff. So this guy had this meeting at this aerospace company and who would understand if there's any technical information. So we'll send Eric. Okay. That's choice A. And choice B is Eric was, had been with NIDS, but wasn't currently, although might've been in an advisory position, but regardless, there may have been a little bit of plausible deniability. And I question like they're sending Eric. Yes, he's got the technical information, but maybe he's, you know, just enough removed, like six degrees of separation from the rest of it, that maybe there's a little bit of plausible deniability in sending Eric to talk to him. Uh, That's just my thought. That's just my thought. And people can disagree with me, but I question if maybe some of that was built into that. But regardless, they send Eric. Eric meets with the Admiral, does the uh, interview, and either takes copious notes or records it. There's a couple of things in the notes that lead me to believe it was probably recorded. And one of those is a comment where it's kind of infamous. A lot of people have already talked about this. There's a comment in the notes when Thomas Wilson, Admiral Wilson, says to Eric, what are you going to do with that? As if he's pointing at something in the car. There's interviews happening in a car. They're parked in a, this is, you know, supposedly it's happening in a car. And they're parked behind a building in uh, Vegas and in a big, you know, probably secure parking lot or whatever. So he says, what are you going to do with that? Well, if it was notes, if Eric was writing notes, I contest that wouldn't Admiral Wilson have said, what are you going to do with those like a notepad. What are you going to do with those notes, right? Isn't that what you would say? Like looking at notes? Right. What are you going to do with those? The fact that he says, what are you going to do with that? Suggests to me it's a recording, not notes. Like he's pointing at a tape recorder or something, right? So, again, I mean, that's me, you know, the fact that it says in the notes, what are you going to do with that? Suggests to me, again, if it was notes, he would have said, or notepad, what are you going to do with those? As opposed to saying, what are you going to do with that? Which suggests to me a recording. So maybe I'm reaching, but I think when you read through it, it just suggests like he's talking about what are you going to do with the recording? Okay. So, and then the notes are so precise that either either Eric has incredible memory to write all that down or, or is writing fast and furious during the meeting, or he recorded it and transcribed it later. Um, again, the what, do you, what are you going to do with that? suggest to me it's actually a recording and it was transcribed later that i don't think that's a far reach but that's what i think and um and so so uh so with that uh uh you know eric types them up they get distributed to the board you know to everyone on the board everyone in nids and and the advisory board of which dr mitchell is on the advisory board along with other things that he, he is are obviously being copied for Dr. Mitchell. He has other things in the file besides this. But it was all together with NID's information. So I don't think it's a far reach to say, look, this was Eric who had been with NIDS, still consulting them, through whether it was just Hal sending him or but I think I think it comes back to NIDS because of those references to the working group, the meeting at BDM. Oak Shannon, how Oak knew the Admiral, how Oak Shannon said, you can trust Eric, I've met Eric, he's a good guy. How would Oak, going way back to the early history of the working group, 
know who Eric was. Well, he said, I know Eric. I know this guy. You can trust him. He's a good guy. So obviously Shannon knew Eric Davis. And further evidence that Shannon knew Eric Davis is Grant, years before this, <laughs> before everything we're talking about, gets the notes from Eric Davis that are Oak Shannon's meeting notes from 85. Wow. So obviously Eric knew Oak really well. He had a copy of his meeting notes and, and, and therefore Oak makes the introduction for Wilson to meet with Eric says, I know this guy, you can trust him. And then Wilson takes it full circle to say, Shannon told me all about the group. So therefore all those connections, clearly it's Eric there representing the working group. Shannon right. knows it, you know, and Wilson knows it. Shannon tells Wilson, Wilson brings it up during the meeting, and Eric writes down that Wilson's bring it up during the meeting. I, I think it's just so logical. And then we have all these forms of documents backing up that all that exists and backing up that Eric was a part of that, that Eric knew Shannon, that Shannon knew it was AP10. I mean, to find a document backing that up so that that takes out any guesswork about what AP10 is, we now have clear documentation showing what that is. Melinda Leslie is here. We got her till the top of the hour. We got about four and a half minutes left before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour here, Melinda. Melinda, as you were saying moments ago, this is about crash retrievals. This is about, you know, being able to uh, have true evidence of extraterrestrials or ultraterrestrials or or wherever these these craft are coming from. You know, the importance of this is you know, we've heard so much denial regarding the fact that this is even taking place on our planet at this time from the Pentagon and other governmental sources. Uh, and then we get these notes that are saying, no, 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 no. We have this stuff. We have it here. We we need to try and, and, and focus on the science of it all, maybe even bring it out as that is the one of the points of disclosure today for you. When you look at the fact that this cover-up of crash retrievals has been going on for decades, millennia really, because they would have been covered up by then by, you know, the changing of the earth's patterns. But do you look at this as, you know, a real aha gotcha moment with these notes in catching the government in and the military in a major lie? Well, that's the significance. That's the bottom line significance right there to the Wilson Davis notes. Is it talked about, and, 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 and a real huge part of this is that the reverse engineering program of craft in our possession, because that's what it says in Wilson Davis. We have craft in our possession, and they're figuring out how it works. In, in, but it's gone into the private hands of an aerospace company, at least in this case, and it suggests that maybe it's become, again, because why Wilson's not allowed to, you know, where they don't read him in on it and they say, you don't have clearance to know, it's because it'd become a corporate secret. And it shows that the reverse engineering program has gone to these corporate entities. And, be, and so, so much of what we call the cover-up in ufology is because it has become a corporate secret. Well, and I think we already knew that. Many of us who are, you know, researchers, longtime researchers in the field knew that. Now we have a document in the form of these notes that backs up 
what we were suspect all along, that it has gone into corporate hands and become a corporate secret. And so it, when the government says there's parts of this they don't know about, they may be telling the truth because it's gone into corporate hands to become, you know, as the notes suggest, a corporate secret. And that's where the reverse engineering is. And that the SAP process, the special access program um, approval process, of funneling money, governmental money, you know, and military money for these projects is is the disconnect, okay? And so I think these notes are super important also for this reason, because we have now had, now, that's a whole other thing, Gary Nolan has now come forward in interviews, most notably in his interview with Ross Colhart on their uh, special um the documentary special that uh, was done with a kind of a road trip, if you will, between Ross Colhart and Bryce Sable. But Ross Colhart goes to um, uh, he go, reporter, by the way, reporter from right. Australia for those that are unfamiliar, and he and it, it, he was on like sixty minutes Australia, and now he works for Channel Seven News and the major you know broadcast network in Australia. So he goes to Stanford and research, uh, I'm sorry, interviews, I'm getting tight, tight, interviews Dr. Gary Nolan. And in this interview, Gary Nolan said, actually says, I briefed Congressman Gallego, Gallego. So con- the congressman, right? right. Um, actually, yeah, is that who? No, the congressman that brought it up. Um, oh, gosh, am I getting his name wrong? Is it not Gallego? Gallagher. Somebody tell me. Gallagher, thank you. Thank you. That's what I meant to say. Appreciate that. No I knew I was saying it wrong. I'm like, we wrong got, one. We got okay. 30 seconds. Okay. So Congressman Gallagher, I apologize to everyone. That's called being tired. So Congressman Gallagher. So when Col- Congressman Gallagher brings it up during the open congressional hearing on May 17th and has it read into the congressional records, that was because Gary Nolan, in closed door briefings, according to Gary, he briefed Congressman Gallagher. So he actually briefed him, Congressman Gallagher, on the notes. And so, but then Gary goes on in multiple interviews to say, Eric told me he wrote these. Eric told me the meeting happened. Okay. And Eric can't tell a lie. Like Eric doesn't All lie. All right. Melinda Leslie, we got her till the top of the hour talking about all the notes that are coming out pointing to crash retrievals and UAP contact on Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We'll be back right after this. I'll finish that thought when we come back. So, Dave, help me come right back to that thought because there's one more thing I want to add to that. Sure. With what Gary's been saying. And get even a little bit more into why this matters right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I almost went there, but then the music started. I'm like, this close, this close. This close, that's that's okay. Cliffhanger. (laughs) Melinda the cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Hi, D. Swiger. How are you? What are you building there, filthy? It's a drawing of some government officials. Oh, very nice. That's all I can tell you. Are they are they disclosing in the drawing? So, something to that effect. Oh, okay. I can't really say much without my attorney present. 
Okay, gotcha. Yeah, sometimes psychics are a pain in the ass because they figure some of these things out ahead of time. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass sometimes knowing things before they happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, it can really be. And then later going, told you so. <laughs> You know, at, so when, when when someone thinks they're a know-it-all and then you add psychic on top of that, we become insufferable, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I hate to be a know-it-all, but I was right all along. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa? No chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted pairs only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Football is back, and BetMGM is inviting new customers to join the huddle and enjoy the action like never before. Sign up today using bonus code EASY1000, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Louisiana only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. In partnership with Samstown Shreveport Casino. No. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. Still hot down there? Oh, in uh, Sedona? Yeah. Uh, no, it's cooled off. We're in fall, you know, Indian summer. Um, during the day, it can get up in. You know, maybe it's hitting 80, low 80s. Uh, well, a couple of days it's gotten warmer that. So sometimes we're creeping up into the high 80s, but in the 80s. But at night it's cooling down and we're starting to starting to drop uh, some nights, you know, in the, the middle of the night. We're dropping below 50 sometimes. So we're starting to cool down. But uh, we still have nice warm days. And it's, it's nice when it cools off at night. It's refreshing. It's just kind of, you know, sweater weather, you know. And on my tours, people are starting to get cold, so I'm having to tell them to bundle up because it's starting. Anyone out there, if you're coming up on one of my tours coming up, dress in layers for the evening, hat, gloves, you know, it can be cold. My, I'm kind of used to it, but my clients keep complaining about being cold, so there you go. Saying that it's cold there, that's funny. I know, yeah, yeah, where you are, I know. How, what are your temperatures there now, Dave? Right now, we're still in the 70s. Yeah, well, it sounds like here. We might be a little bit warmer because we're hitting the 
80 sometimes still during the day. Yeah. Well, normally... How, how cold are you getting at night? Probably like your low. low 30s. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you are colder. Because the lowest we're getting is is like 50 right now. But, you know, we're, yeah, we'll... we'll you know, we're at our coldest. We're not ever as cold as you get by any means. <laughs> we get some snow. You know, some years aren't any, and sometimes we have as many as about five snowstorms. But uh, last year, I think there were just two or three times we got a light dusting, nothing too heavy. Um, some years we've gotten it pretty heavy. Um, some years we don't get any. So we'll see Come this winter. Everything's on track, I think, for us to have a kind of a cold weather and maybe a few dustings of snow. All right. Let's say hello quickly here to, uh, where are we here? Uh, dark winter wolf, Deb from Sacramento, Renee BK. How are you, man? And who else has showed up here a little bit late? Mike Arrington. Good to see you. Uh, you know, Lorian Fenton, we haven't burped or farted yet. I'm sure you're happy with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I know she's laughing. That's always now. good. I know she's that, laughing. That's now. always good. Aiden, how are you, man? Good to see you. And uh, let's get ready to go here because we're going to get okay. going here in about uh, 27 seconds. Big thank you, Pam, YJ, Samantha, and. Phil for the amazing super chats. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we're at 221 people watching, only 110 Yay. thumbs up. If we can, uh, we'd love to increase that total. All thanks to you. And don't forget after the show to leave a comment. And the store at spacedoutradio.com is open for all your swag needs. Here we go, everyone. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to see you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. We got Melinda Leslie until the top of the hour. And right before the break, Melinda, we were talking about Gary Nolan, and yeah. and you wanted to continue so, with these thoughts. Yeah, so Gary, Gary said on there, you know, that he, uh, on the show in the interview with Ross Colhart, that he had said that he briefed the congressman you know congressman uh, gallagher right so he briefed him and then he also said eric can't lie and eric told me he wrote these notes and the meeting happened so there you go now i also say this to people would <laughs> eric and gary be talking about this in closed door sessions with congress if it hadn't happened the fact that Gary says, I brief Gallagher, means that Gary knows. Gary, and given his background, his background with the working group, his background, you know, as um, 
in charge of you know the blood analysis and the and the breakthrough work he's doing there at Stanford. His background was Stanford. You know, Gary's a highly, highly credible scientist. If he's having closed door sessions with members of Congress and members of the Senate, you know, and telling them these notes are real enough that Gallagher brought them up in a, the public hearing, you know, Gary obviously believes in the validity of these notes and that meeting happened, or he wouldn't have done that. Okay. And these guys, if there's more hearings and everything points to that there are, more hearings coming. That's why they passed the amnesty legislation in the NDA, NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act. The amnesty legislation there to allow these guys for, I think it's three years, if I remember correctly, that they're going to be able to talk about their involvement in crash retrieval programs, their involvement in reverse engineering programs, their involvement in anything regarding UAP, okay, that, that they can do that without going to jail or, you know, going against their security oaths. They can talk about that subject. And that's happening so that these both public and closed door additional hearings are going to happen. And and obviously the fact that Wilson Davis was read into the congressional record, it's obviously going to come up for discussion again. And I'm hearing through reliable sources in the grapevine, I I don't want to get into it, but I'm hearing through reliable sources that – Eric Davis and Admiral Wilson have already been asked to testify. And that Admiral Wilson has said, again, a reliable source told me this, Admiral Wilson has already said he will testify if the amnesty stuff passes. Well, the amnesty legislation and amendments pass the House and Senate, and they're now in the NDAA. And actually, I heard that, and I can say I heard that clearly from Daniel Sheehan. So they have passed... The House and Senate, they're in the NDAA, done deal. Uh, my understanding, the whole NDAA at this point is 100 and some odd pages, and that 31 of those are all information regarding UAPs. And and so in there is this legislation for the amnesty and into them wanting things on crash retrievals, into the, it says in there, you know, they're wanting that, they're wanting uh, uh, Senate, you know, is wanting crash retrieval information, reverse engineering project information, etc. So they're going to get in into that in these upcoming, which I don't think they'll be this year. I think we'll probably look at next year, but um, these, these additional both closed door and open sessions. So there you go. So, so Gary saying that Gary wouldn't be saying I briefed, you know, Gallagher unless he did, of course, and he's not briefing Gallagher unless he believes in the validity of these. And that's because he says Eric told me, you know, that this is legit. And and Gary goes back because he's also saying, I hope people are noting this, Gary keeps saying in interviews, Eric and I are part of this group. We go back. We're friends going way back. We're both parts of this same group. You guys, what group is he talking about? Oh, Duh. The working yeah, group. The working group. Okay. okay. And the working group is just the catchphrase for meaning it's a group of guys that have been closely associated. You know, and I had always thought myself that Oak Shannon was just way back in the beginning and I'd never heard his name come up since like, you know, early aviary days or anything. And then all of a sudden you have Oak Shannon figuring in, well, wait a second. And I know because I have a friendship with Ron Blackburn, another one of these members, okay? And Ron Blackburn, in conversations with me, talks about how he constantly talks to these guys. So these guys still all talk to each other. They still exist. 
Okay. Melinda, let's get to some questions here quickly. Uh, this one coming okay. from Steam no. Train Mark in Australia, okay. who's asking, okay. I recently watched an interview with John Alexander, and he mentions Jack Houck and spoon bending. Does Melinda know of this, and would you like to see the interview? Yes, I know of the interview. I haven't watched the whole thing, so I do need to see it. That's true. I, have, I admit I haven't had time to watch it, but I do know that something happened. And, um, and yes, um, I I teach spoon bending classes. I learned that from Jack Houck, taking it from him many, many times over the years. A couple times I kind of helped him with his classes, long story short. Um, and uh, anyway, so now I teach psychokinesis spoon bending, and I teach the technique I learned from Jack Houck. All right, but yes, I would like to see what John Alexander says about it very much. Let's go to Tim here. Would Wilson, Davis, Shannon, and Houck be protected as whistleblowers if they came forward to corroborate or not because of the classified information disclosed? Okay, well, here's the deal. Um, Houck has passed away in 2013, so obviously he can't come forward. Wilson has said through a reliable source... Okay, Wilson has said that he has been asked to testify and he has said if the amnesty bills pass, the legislation passes, which it has. Now, the whole NDAA has to go to Biden to get signed. There are other parts completely unrelated to this subject that may be holding it up. But I'm hearing through the grapevine, through, again, reliable sources. I can tell you this, but Danny Sheehan was telling me that he thought that the NDAA would probably get signed in November. Uh, in past years, sometimes they were signed by presidents in November. Last year, Biden didn't sign it because a couple of things and they're holding it up. Uh, and then they went on their uh, holiday break. So it's the 27th of December after Christmas that Biden signed it. But it's not unusual for them to sign it in November. And we're hearing a lot of things through the grapevine. I'm not the only one. Other people have commented on this that suggests that it will get signed in November. Um, Although then they'll go on Christmas and this and that. And we have the elections coming up, the midterms. So it could be that we're not going to see anything with additional movement as far as hearings until next year. Um, I'd love to be wrong about that and see them happen this year. But um, well, how do we? Know, how do we it, have? Not be till next year. How do we have hearings on this when people like Mellon are starting to realize that they screwed up? They screwed up getting those videos out, and the United States Navy is no longer playing ball with the UFO subject. At least that. Well, how we, we have hearings is is we have all the witnesses and the military witnesses and the pilots and and other officials um, and anyone else that, that that's already done closed door things that with this amnesty legislation, it's very likely we might have public hearings with some of these people talking. That's what I'm hearing is that's, that's the goal is to have public hearings with some of these people that they've been hearing from in closed door hearings because of these guys security clearances. But now they're, they're, they're free of their security clearances when it comes to this subject matter. And I, and therefore, that is suggesting, if not indicating clearly, that there will be, uh, there will be uh, public hearings. So, um, but there may be some matters that are still behind closed doors, like their Wilson and Davis testifying. Because if they've been asked to testify already and they're going to testify behind closed doors, if Davis says, yeah, those are my notes, that meeting happened, and Wilson says, 
they're accurate to our discussion, then there you go. Then it's thrown back on Congress. That's why these matter, you guys. First off, these matter because they say that the, the subject of UAP and UFOs became a corporate secret. So it got out of the hands of the government. They looked the other way and fed the corporations the money for their black projects, and it got out of their hands to some degree, okay? That's why Wilson was so upset and wanting to tell these guys because he needed to vent that he looked into this and his hands were slapped. And he <laughs> said, I'm the authority here. How can this happen? Right. You know? And so, so, so if in fact that all went down that way, then that means these guys are snubbing their nose at the government saying you don't have to know what – you're funding us, but we don't have to tell you what we're doing. I mean, what the heck? You guys, that's a problem. It's unconstitutional, legal, you know, you know, who knows. So there's problems there. So so what Congress then needs to do, if if those if those guys, Davis, and it sounds like because the, the fact that Gary Nolan has said, look, I'm friends with Eric, and if he says this happened, it happened, okay? Combined with if Wilson also testifies and says, Yeah, I, that happened, because he's saying, I will testify if that's what I'm hearing through some very reliable sources. I'll testify if that passes. Well, you guys, it passed. So guess what? He's probably going to testify because that's passed. Okay? And it's already in the NDA. It just needs to be signed by the president, but it's already in there. That legislation has cleared the House and the Senate completely. Okay? So it's already in there. Then what we have is then – so when those guys testify, it gets thrown back at Congress where they've got work to do then, don't they? They have to start an investigation and go – and go back to then Wilson and go, okay, who did you talk to that sent you to where, you know, and what corporate entity? And then they and then they may have to have those guys heading up the SAP programs from back then. Did Wilson talk to you? Did you say this? I mean, I, I think it's the beginning of a huge congressional investigation. And and if they pursue it, so that I know that's a big if. If they have Davis testify, I think everything indicates that'll happen. If they have Wilson testify, I think everything indicates that'll happen. Then it goes back to Congress. How much do they want to pursue this? And in recent conversations with Dan Sheehan, he says, Linda, these guys are really serious. They're really serious. Congressmen and senators that he's talking to, he says, they're serious about this. Do now, we, do we have now the, the script with the with the with the photos? That's just photos, you guys. That's little pieces of video footage from the Navy. Okay, it does, this isn't writing on that. We're talking reverse engineering program. That's not writing on whether those photos are real or not, or there's more photos. You guys, photos are photos. We've learned they don't carry a lot of weight. I, I quite frankly, I think we need to move beyond that. Yeah, did some come out? Now is the Navy saying we won't put anything else out? Whatever. But you guys, it, it, it's not this story, this story and disclosure, and yeah, I'm getting so tongue-tied. <laughs> I should probably doing stuff. This story and disclosure is not relying on that. It doesn't require that to move forward. We have Eric Davis saying in closed door sessions, which he already did, he's already stated this, that he knows of reverse engineering programs. If Congress pursues that and pursues that this went into corporate hands and became a corporate secret, that's a whole big investigation, and I hope they pursue it. I really think they do. I think they've got everything in their hands to point that direction. 
And as long as they get those testimonies, they'll go forward with that. And and so I think this is really big. I think it, it has the potential of being bigger. And I think then, as things move forward, there will be more photos and more video. Okay? Even though the Navy's saying now, but you guys, how many times has stuff in the last couple of years gone this way and this way and this way in, in this story and changed? Oh, they're saying this now. Now they're going to do this. And we have the task force. Now it's named this other thing. Now it's renamed. And now it's gone to this. Now, you know, so it's going back and forth. This is in play. It's not, the ball's not dead. It's still in play. The game is still in motion and everything's going to move forward. And it just takes patience on everyone ufology because you guys, you know, it's 80 years of cover-up that has to be undone. I'm not saying it's going to take 80 years to undo, but what if it took 10 years to undo, you know? So everyone be patient, you know? Let me ask you this. How do you think Dr. Edgar Mitchell came in touch with those documents? Because he was oh that's easy that's an easy answer because he was on the he was on the um, um, consulting board for NIDS National Institute of Discovery Science so he got copied on everything that went to the the science advisory board is what I should say so he was on NIDS science advisory board and there's lots of documentation stuff just to support that so he so during the period of time that Dr Edgar Mitchell was on the NIDS science advisory board he was getting duplicated on their stuff. The Wilson Davis notes was in there with things that are on NIDS letterhead and then the NIDS emails and other things. So there's multiple things in there. Everything points to NIDS, okay? And it points to NIDS being the, you know, the group behind Eric then going and, you know, meeting with, with uh, Dr. Wilson, and, and and Wilson looked into everything going on because of the meeting he had with Greer and Will Miller and Dr. Mitchell. So he said Dr. Mitchell was there for that. So Dr. Mitchell's there for that. What do you bet he went and reported to the board what was going on? That would make perfect sense. Or Will Miller or, you know, so multiple players here knew these guys and were reporting to them. And so they said, well, let's send somebody to do an in-depth, in, you know, uh, interview of him and get the whole story. So then they send Eric. It, it, to me, it's so logically consistent, you know. And now we've got these additional documents backing up things that say in there, you know, again, not necessarily proving that all of it, the meeting happened, but proving that there was knowledge of the group and its code name, AP-10, you know, so again, it's it's internally consistent repeatedly to the point of, you know, I, I was discussing with some major researchers. You can't make this you can't make this bleep up. Right. You know? No, no. True <laughs> enough. You know, I, yeah. you know, but there is that that segment of UFO Twitter who believes that these documents may be a ruse and they may be, you know, just there to throw people off a track. Not, not if they know, not if they know, you know, if they talk to James Rigney about him going through them, because he's the one who went through Eric Mitchell's stuff and, and picked them out, you know, to take home. Okay. So he, he had those and he shows up at a conference to give them to Grant. Grant says, Oh, I think I can't do this right now because of my relationship to the story. But Grant gives them to Chase, the guy who puts them on Imgur. Chase puts them on Imgur and then everybody sees them. So that's, okay. you guys, the, the history, the provenance of these is 
very well known. It's very simple. So why? It's just like the provenance of my getting Jack's notes from his wife. It's very simple. And how I knew Jack, very simple. The the providence of Eric giving notes to 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 Grant, uh, the 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 Oak Davis stuff to Grant was because because at that time Grant had a. FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted Paris is only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Friendship and was in communication with Eric. And Eric said, hey, this is, you know, for your research to help you out. There, I'm hearing a little bit of a backstory that maybe Eric was upset with the group at, the, at that right at that moment, but, but then told Grant, don't publish these till Oak dies. Grant upholds his agreement with Eric to not betray that trust of, you know, the good contact that he has. And so he doesn't publish them until Oak goes forward about his knowledge about the meeting and everything, does that interview. And then Grant's like, okay, Oak Shannon is now come public. Now I could, I don't have to wait for his death. I can publish these. And so, and then me to back up Oak going public and his importance. And for me to back up Grant and his notes from that meeting, I come out again, as the case may be, and republish my notes. And you guys, it's, it's a simple story. We know the chain of custody of these documents. It's very clear. And then on top of it, to the naysayers, why in God's name, would Gary Nolan brief a congressman if he didn't know that these were real from his friend Eric, who is so quick in every interview to say, Eric is my friend, we go way back, we're part of a group, and Eric can't lie. So Gary saying that and also briefing a congressman, he knows they're legit, okay? And Wilson now saying through someone I know, that he's already been asked to testify, and he will if, again, the legislation passes, which it did. So I guess that's going to happen, okay? I right. think next year we're going to have more hearings. It's going to be very interesting. And at the end of this month, you know, it's it's um, it's October now. At the end of this month or before the end of the month, we're supposed to get another document uh, from the task force you know, that they're required to do. Now I'm going to ask Dan Sheehan if that's on track and if we're expecting that document from the task force, but we're expecting that. So you guys, these things matter now because this is currently going on in Congress and the Senate right now. And there will be these hearings and, and, and these documents can help, you know, hopefully spur Congress on to 
follow through, not only in getting those testimonies from Davis and Wilson, but also moving forward in doing an investigation of what the, the significance of the meat of what those say. And then, and then the media, and then going back to the working group, those notes are explosive. You know, it, it would be a whole nother show to get in any detail of what it's contained in those notes. But you guys, everyone can read them for yourselves. We've published them. They're both on there. Go to them. You know, he'll put a link in yeah. and, and read them. Go through them. Some of them are kind of technical. You know, Grant, Nicole, and I did a um, video, a, a, you know, a YouTube uh, Zoom. And on this YouTube Zoom, so you can find it by going to Nicole Sackage's, okay, Nicole Sackage's um, uh, uh, YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube channel, thank you. I'm just pulling a blank here. YouTube channel, because on there, the three of us kind of did a deep dive, breaking down some of the things that said in these notes. So I recommend getting the notes, looking through them while we talk about them and watch that video. But if you're smart, you go out there, you read these, you'll see the details that are in there. Yes, um, the working group was looking at everything UFOs, and then they were deciding on actions and projects moving forward that were going to be setting up uh, satellites for detecting them. And then they all worked for companies. A couple of them worked for major satellite companies or were the satellite directors in major aerospace companies. Do you think they took that information from that week and implemented it? Our friend Nicole is doing all this research to, to connect those dots to show that these guys likely, very probably, took that information and used it from that from that week-long seminar that they were in. And, and that they did that. They all held these high level positions at the time. I should probably go through the list of names of who was in it. Um, uh, you could bring it up from Oaks Notes if you want. I well, we, Melinda, we got one minute left here with you tonight. Oh, it, with it, Dan? It's, okay, it's okay, flown okay. right okay, by. But you guys, that again, look through the notes. The names are in there and watch my presentation on the history of the working group. Between the, the all the names in Oak's presentation and the names in my research, you'll, you'll see all the, the names that I'm aware of in the group. But Oak, during the meeting in 85, wrote down all the names. So, you know, it, who were there present at the time that he wrote them. So you have that list of names. And, uh, and, and it reads like a who's who. And you can look up the backgrounds on these people. These people were all very advanced in their fields of aerospace and science and, you know, et cetera. Melinda Leslie, always a pleasure to have you on Spaced Out Radio, my dear. It is always a, a, an entertaining and knowledgeable quest that you take us on each and every time. Oh, thank so you. thank you so much. Thank you, Dave, for having me on. You guys, I know we've just barely scratched the surface here, but hopefully it spurs the researchers in the audience to go do their homework. You guys, it does matter. It matters now. It's timely. Congress and Senate are working on it. And I think we can accomplish a lot. All right. what these notes mean. Melinda Leslie, everyone. Thank you, Thank Thank you, you guys. Melinda. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Coming up next, we have the Swamp Dweller. Then little Timmy Senor joins us for the UFO report. We'll be back with hour three of Spaced Out Radio next. All right, we are clear. Thank you, Melinda. 
Very much anyone in, If anyone in chat has some quick uh, questions here on YouTube, I could take them during the break. How long of a break is this? We have like five minutes. So you can hang well, out. Can you take can take some and then I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah. Take Do what you need to do. And I'll take questions if people have. I know that flew by. I know you guys, I, I apologize for being kind of repetitive. I'm just, I'm not used to presenting on this and in an effort to be precise I miss being concise. How's that sound? Ah, but hopefully that brought clarity because that was my point here was to bring clarity on the significance of these three things and why they matter. Oh, thank you. Blue Blue Cruise, thank you. It says, excellent and very informative guest tonight. Thank you. Thank you. How do you bend a spoon? Well, come to Sedona and take my class. I'll teach you. It's a tour class. The first hour is is history, science, theory, and application. Like how to apply it to your life, what it means, you know, and the, the history of how I learned it and Jack and the guys at SRI and remote viewing and all that stuff. Gets into that history um, and then uh, science. Um, the science, there's electron microscope science. There's changes in the metal when it actually happens correctly. And Jack has a whole website where he's published information all about the molecular changes and all that. It, you know, it's extensive. That's kind of, he was a uh, material science engineer and that was his whole thing. And he was in charge, by the way, you guys, of advanced systems analysis for McDonnell Douglas. Advanced systems analysis of McDonnell Douglas basically means black projects for McDonnell Douglas. And he did that and and under him, he was the head of the department, and under him was Bob Wood, Robert Wood. And when uh, Jack retired, Bob Wood took his position. And by then, it had been bought by Boeing. And so then uh, Jack, when he retired, was technically retiring from Boeing. And then Bob Wood continued to have that position with Boeing. That's a little background. I had a bio on, on uh, Jack I was going to read. It's very, very impressive background. Like I said, all these guys at that original working group meeting were extremely impressive individuals heading up major corporations and they're leading engineers with those corporations and, you know, and very involved in in the aerospace community, as I said, and uh, other technology, you know, uh, uh, military technology community kind of things. So really, you know, and, and, and they were having a secure meeting and a secure skiff to talk about the history of UFOs and what could be learned, what was known by the government on the subject and how they could exploit it for further use by the corporate entities they worked for, basically. I mean, that was it in a nutshell. Um, Sorry, I got off looking at the questions. I've never been a spoon, but I have moved things. Good. Very good. Um, yeah, I, you know, psychokinesis can be affecting or moving matter. When it's telekinesis, you're more like moving something uh, independent of you. So if you're if you're affecting it independent without touching it, basically, or moving it, and then psychokinesis is just the mind affecting matter. But um, in the spoon bay, as I started to say, science, history, theory, and application, the first hour, and the second hour is technique and bending. And so you actually learn technique. And everyone in my class bends three to five pieces each, at least three and quite often about five pieces each. And at the end of the class, we do what I call hands-off bending, um, where you're holding the fork or spoon by its base and still affecting it. And so without touching it, except for the base, it, it you know, it does things. And um, 
not everyone produces that. I would say about one in 20 people produce extremely successfully. And I, but I call any change on the metal success. So if the, the prongs or the tines of a fork do this or, uh, or the handle, you know, bends or ripples at all, you know, even if it just does a little, you call it, it's still, you know, success because there's change to it. Um, the hands-on bending stuff manipulates really easy. It gets soft and pliable and you just manipulate it into the shape. So, um, but that's what that is. And, uh, and Dave's back. Um, I'm going to look at the questions. I'm sorry, you guys, I wasn't reading my mistake. Um, when are your classes, says, says Candy R. Um, they're at the center and I need at least two people signed up. So if you're coming to Sedona with a group of people, uh, sign up and, and as long as there's two or more, I'll do a class. So that's how it happens with the psychokinesis. It's $40 per person. It's a two-hour class. And as, and as long as you, there's at least two of you, I prefer a bigger group. Um, uh, I, and I ha- if it's more than, say, six people, I have to know in advance because I have to do someplace other than my office. My office, I can do six, maybe eight people tops. But, uh, but I can secure, like there's a, I have a couple options, I can secure a bigger space if I know in advance if you're coming here with a bigger group. But if it's just you and your friends or you and your family, you know, then I can certainly do it in my office and, and uh, you know, you just call the Center for New Age and say, I want to do Melinda's psychokinesis spoon bending class. And they ask you when and you pick a time and then we do it. Not in the evenings. My evenings are always my UFO sign tours, so I'm not available. Melinda, i got to say goodnight to you because uh, i got Absolutely. like 30 seconds. Much love, my dear. And we'll, oh, I love you too. We'll talk Thank to you, you very soon, okay? Okay, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I hope, I hope that was more informative and not confusing for everybody. <laughs> Take care, Melinda. All right. Bye-bye. Melinda Leslie, everybody. And we'll give you a little peek at uh, Dirty Filth's uh, uh, art here for the night. And thank you to Pam times two, Dry Toast, Samantha, Almost Christmas, YJ, and Phil for the Super Chats. Here we go with our number three coming up right now. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth, hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. And that would be... Oh, let's take a look. Odorometry. Odorometry is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is that time again where we head to the swamp 
our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I went on a camping trip to Tarongo Falls, Victoria, Australia. Now, a quick layout of the place. There are two huge hills on either side of the campgrounds with the campgrounds in the middle. On the first night, we went hiking in both mountains. And yeah, I say we because I was with two of my cousins and two of my brothers. On day one, we decided to hike up both hills, the taller hill first. Not all the way, but high enough to find a good spot for a fire that wasn't entirely on an angle. It would be easier because the only plants would be brush and some ferns. But we had to climb on a fall- But we had to climb over a fallen tree to get across to the other side of the river, which the shorter but more dense hill didn't have. Anyway, we hiked up through the ferns trying to mark the trees with our park- Trying to mark the trees with our pocket knife so we would have a good way back. So we find a good spot for a small fire light it for a little bit and chat before getting super hungry and deciding it's time to go back. It takes maybe 20 minutes. We follow the makeshift markings, making our way back and climbing across the fallen tree. Our camp is just there. We eat, drink, and whatnot before going on to the shorter, more dense second hill. This had to have been one of the worst decisions of my life. We crossed a road and started going up. At first, it was just ferns, but then it quickly turned into some more dense, swampy jungle that became tormentingly repetitive and brutal. We were looking for just a small clearing for a small campfire and to sit and rest for a bit. But after about an hour of hiking up, I just kind of gave up and realized this wasn't somewhere we should have been going further upwards. It would be fruitless to continue. So after debate with my brothers and cousins, we started to turn around. This is where things take a turn for the worst. After a couple of minutes in on the way down, we came across some sort of slight cliff or slope that we didn't come up from. We didn't recognize it. It sounds like there's almost a waterfall at the bottom. We could not see because it was dark at this point. This is when I start freaking out in my head, coming to the realization that we had all become lost on a muddy, swampy, jungle-like hill. And mind you, as I said before, we hiked about an hour up this hill. So we are easily hundreds of meters up. We all hit our panic and went up a little bit and turned left. After that, we walked over this hill for two plus hours before finally finding a small river that could lead us to the bottom. We follow it for maybe ten minutes before I see a flat dirt clearing, like it was a mini fishing spot or something. We decided to go across the small river and walk up a bit to check it out. Mind you, the whole time my group yelled at me to come back, and I'm glad I ignored them because the spot I had crossed over led to a dirt road. I had never felt so relieved before. I quickly screamed to everyone about my findings, and sure enough, after about a minute or two, we had come across a gate at the bottom of the hill, and we were now back at the camping area, all because of me. Imagine if I had listened to my group, ditched what I had found, and came back across the river. Now it gets even weirder, I kid you not. Not even a couple of minutes later that same night, as we were all muddy and sitting by the campfire, we all had seen what looked to be a UFO in the sky. My brother pointed up and said, The stars are moving kind of funny. At first, I laughed and didn't think anything of it. Still, he said, no, really, look, dude. My cousin said, yeah, 
The stars have been moving. So I almost broke my neck as I jerked upwards to see a freaking star spinning around in circles before shooting off into a straight line. It wasn't the only star to do that either. There was multiple of them, all in one night. And this wasn't the first time I've seen quote-unquote aliens, but that's just a story for another time. On the second night, we went across the river to our campfire spot to a more accessible hill, which only had soft ferns. Still, I was almost traumatized from the previous night. We went up and cooked some potatoes and tinfoil without incident, and that's all I can really remember. Thanks for reading my story. Ah, uh, thank you, Swamp Dweller, for another weird, strange story that we get each and every night, Monday through Friday, here on Spaced Out Radio. Gotta love it when we head to the swamp and get a great story of spookiness. And you can check out all of Swamp Dweller's stories. He's got thousands of them by going to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. All right, let's get to it. Here comes little Timmy Senor. We got the UFO report right now. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. couple of days, Tim Senor comes on in for the UFO report, hanging on out with us to tell us all the latest news of what's happening in the UFO world, because it is ever-changing so fast. Tim, how you doing, man? Doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Surfing the UFO highways and byways out here in beautiful Oregon. So how are things up there in the Great White North, my friend? Oh, you know what? They're not too bad. They're not too bad. My my son had a great hockey practice tonight. You know, I was going to be coaching hockey with my son this year. And a week ago, they didn't have any coaches. They didn't have any. So they were getting coaches from other teams to come on in and coach the younger kids where my son is. And you know what, dude? So I figured, yeah, I, I've got some coaching experience. I'll go in there. I was a professional hockey instructor and well, you know how it goes. So I show up today with all my gear to go on the ice. They've got like five coaches now, five. So I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going on the ice. And and the lady who, who runs the team, she's like, well, why not? I said, well, you have enough people. I'm not doing it. Right. Especially. So I bit my tongue. She was a little bit disappointed. I said, no, I don't need to. Um, You know, you don't need me. I bit my tongue. And I tell you, this is going to be one long hockey season, man. After watching these coaches tonight. And my kid is too many chefs. No, you know what it is? Look, I, I applaud any volunteer. Okay, I applaud any volunteer who will take time to help out with anything, whether it's at a food bank or whether it's kids sports 
FanDuel presents Sunday Victories. Four seconds to go in the first half. Snack assessment? Bleak. All salsa, no chips. As host to a room full of hungry fans, it's your duty to get to the store and back before the second half kicks off. So you throw on your running slash lawnmowing shoes and think back to the time you ran an eight-minute mile in high school. Your feet move with a weightlessness that you will certainly feel tomorrow. At the store, you grab seven bags of chips and silently thank the genius who invented self-checkout. Tap in your reserve, you run home and dive onto the couch. A clean 15 on the clock. You bet, and you won in the game of life, my friend. Now, if you want to bet on the game of football, try FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet and get up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Louisiana. Permitted pairs only. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. You're invited to take a vacation. From everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Or whether it's helping seniors or or whatever it may be. Volunteering is something that's very important. I really do believe that. However, here's the caveat to that. And I never get to use the word caveat. (laughs) I'm watching the head coach today, who they wanted me to work under. And this guy can barely skate. And... But he's certified. I'm not officially certified yet. I have to upgrade. But he's certified. And this guy is going to tell me what drills we're going to run. I literally watched 10 minutes of the practice and I had to escape the rink. It was so painful today. And I felt so sorry for my boy. I just... I just bit my tongue. My kid went out there, had a blast. That's all that matters, and I have to get right back to that attitude now. You know, but this is like the the fourth year in a row that my kid has had absolutely terrible coaching in hockey. Terrible. And and I don't want to sound like I'm being one of those parents. Okay? Because I'm very supportive. Okay? I'm yeah. a very supportive parent. I I sit there and I and I cheer them on. And the kids are having fun, and that's all that really matters. But I also want my kid to learn something because I got a lot out of hockey. And I want my kid to benefit, and I want other children to benefit from that. But, I mean, when, you, when you're when you a professional hockey instructor like I used to be, it's the little nuances that you see, the bad habits and everything that just drive me nuts. And I just literally have to go for a walk about two, three times a practice. So that was it. There's my rant for the day. Yeah. No, I'm glad you got that out. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? Honestly, and I get it. You're like, what the hell is hockey? I get it. No, no. I grew up around a lot of guys that played hockey. I skied um, and played soccer. Your two least favorite sports. I like skiing. Um, Hold but, on. Don't, don't but my skiing. buddies played hockey, and I would go and hang out while they practiced and stuff. So, and I, I can skate. 
So I get it, man. I, I, you got to have a coach that can skate. That's just kind of basics. Like, if he's going to be out there on like, the ice. You know what? It, it's one of these things where I don't know if it happens in other associations because volunteering and finding volunteers is tough. Okay. Yeah. And nobody oh, wants, yeah. very few people want to volunteer these days. Very mm-hmm. few. Okay. And God bless the people who do. All right. But at least know how to skate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At least know how to. I don't care if you could drop a practice plan. Anybody can do that. It's simple. I could. <laughs> I could do it right off the top of my head. All right. I don't care if you, if if you're whatever, if you're certified. You shouldn't be certified if you can't skate. Well, I thought that just naturally all Canadians could skate. No, I didn't that, know that, that it's it such was a even myth. a thing. I mean, it's I, a myth. I've watched Bob and Doug McKenzie. Those guys seem to do just fine. Oh, I understand what you're saying. I do. But what I'm saying is, you know, when I'm paying 500 bucks a year plus, tra- right. plus travel costs... Okay. You want him to get an education. I I want him to I want him to learn something, right? Yeah. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I'm just I figure actually I shouldn't say that. I do know what I'm going to do. Is I am going to start <laughs> renting the ice once a week. And I'm going to oh, teach my kid. And if any other kids want to come on the ice and actually learn something. They can do yeah. that. They can do and that. And you should set it up so it's like right before regular practice or like right after something convenient if parents want to bring them early. The funny thing is, and I might even put a little money on this one, um, you're going to show up next week or to the next practice and there's going to be like nobody there as a coach. Well. You know? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Well, you know? and Maybe you'll it. get lucky. And that's it. So she goes down the list of coaches and she's like, well, this guy's only here until December, and this guy is coming in, but he's a logging truck driver, so he can't make much time, and this guy can't make much time. And I'm sitting there saying, I'm here. I have the experience, okay? Let me take these kids and teach them. Right. Right. I feel so bad for our audience right now. They're like oh, demanding UFO I news, know. and we're I know. on ice hockey. I know. It's a little. It's nice to get a little insight into your day, though, and, oh. and you know, your your parents I'm sorry, and I'm, what you do. So. I'm I'm frustrated <laughs> by it, you know. Uh, any, you. Anyways, let's move on here. Let's move on. Yeah. All right, Travis Taylor back in the news. Tell us about it. Well, he's not so much in the news as I reviewed some of the notes and some of the video from Phenomicon, which took place not too long ago in in Vernal, Utah. And within some of those videos and some of those notes, Travis Taylor reviews his opinion and some of his stand, um, where he stands on how things are classified. And in fact, that he was surprised when told in the interview that Navy had made a stand on the release of any more videos as being something that would be considered sensitive material and not to be released. And so I think that information came to him as a surprise at that moment. And um, furthering that information, Travis uh, helped write the security classification guide for the UAP task force. And he talks about that. 
And I find that incredibly interesting. Um, also, when he was surprised by that information about the Navy reclassifying, quote unquote, or making their strong stand on the further release, um, his first response was, did that come from Scott Bray? And I found that interesting. And so this is just some of my research and some of the things that have been com coming to my attention. Scott Bray is the deputy director for the Office of Naval yeah. Intelligence. So that tells you that they're working very closely hand in hand on how things are classified. And so perhaps we haven't seen the end of how things will come forward from the Navy, um, knowing that um, Travis is pivotal in some of that um, language in the decision on how some of this information will be brought forward. Um, many of the UAP videos received from the Navy were not classified. They were just considered and treated as sensitive. And I found that also a very interesting point. So well, the hold, reason hold, things hold get classified... Yeah, on. sure. That contradicts the story that we know that those that that they were yes they were marked non-classified but the way elizondo and Mellon got those videos out for the to the stars academy is is by marking them that way because they had to go across if we could buy the legit this story from what i've learned they had to uh, Mark or Elizondo running the ATIP program had to mark the videos of classified top secret or uh, of, of unidentified aerial phenomenon or UFOs, okay? Or were they drones or something else? And he checkmarked with Mellon looking over his shoulder that they were drones, which means that led them to being non-classified. And that's how the three videos came out. And then the slap in the face to the United States Navy, to which I don't really understand why they didn't take the To The Stars Academy to court over this. Because the TTSA went and put their logos that they were their videos. They put their TTSA logo over U.S. Navy videos when they did not own them, which is illegal. So I, I'm surprised, and I still think to this day, please correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, I still think to this day that this, with the Navy shutting things down now, is a direct slap in the face at Lou Elizondo, at Chris Mellon, and everyone who is moving towards the disclosure or, you know, confirmation of UFOs in our skies. So I don't quite buy Travis on that one. Right. And I think that, um, you know, you may be right. Um, I see exactly what you're saying. And I do think that a lot of those shots were just also not just taken at Elizondo and Mellon and that team, <clears throat> excuse me, but the politicians that have been, you know, bandstanding yes. all of these UAP topics. And so, again, I, I think um, some of the other notes that I had taken, I think, are also relative and so, or, um, you know, pertinent to this. So I'll just run through them Please very do. briefly and get, get your opinion. 
Um, another quote was that sensors and systems are what usually are highly classified. The methods and methodology are what are considered highly classified. And so every sensor also has a different classification, which made analyzing the data that their team, uh, the UAP uh, task force team was dedicated to analyzing, made it even harder because every piece of equipment that they were getting the information from had a different classification. So for them to collate the data all together, they needed a series of classifications that they had to each have to share the information and to collaborate. So that just sounds like a lot of hoops that, you know, were having to be jumped through just for them in the task force to work through some of the information, which also tells me that that must have been frustrating and part of the reason that we're seeing Travis working so hard on the language on how things are classified coming in the future. And so this is just coming from just earlier this month, the first week of this month. So this is relatively new information. Um, and then also recently in, a, in an er interview with Kevin Day, he corroborates how things are classified. You know, that he was on something that was considered a spy vessel when the occurrence took place for him. And the reason it was considered and classified as a spy vessel, <clears throat> excuse me, was based on the radar that they were using, which was the, now we know, the phased array radar. Um, and so I found that also very interesting because it's part of the reason that that story really didn't come out until whistleblowers like uh, our hero, Kevin Day, um, came forward with their story. Right. And um, then they had other people coming forward with like Gary Voorhees to corroborate. So, um, you know, like they were saying, um, Travis Taylor helped write that security classification. And so moving forward, he's going to be pivotal, I think, in the future on things, how they're going to trickle down to us as in the in the public view. And my understanding, in, including just what Leslie was saying, is that in the public hearings in the future, we may have whistleblowers speaking in public. Uh, on, and I think that that would be just amazing. I, so I would hopefully hope so. we do get something like that. I, I would hope so. I don't know if it'll actually go that way, but um, fingers crossed. I think it's... A... And do you feel like Navy's pushback is going to put a halt to this? Or do you think that this is already in pro in process? I mean, the fact that we have this protection for the whistleblowers means quite a bit, doesn't it? Well, I mean, that's if it even gets that far. I mean, Navy's taking a stance right now on this by saying, we're not giving you any more. There's no more videos. Don't even ask us. All right? They're already taking their hard stance. And like I said the other night on the show, to me flexing that military industrial complex power if this was any other subject outside of ufos the american public would go crazy tim they would go crazy that hey you work for us we don't work for you but because it's ufos the public hasn't caught on yet tim you hold on we're gonna go to break here on spaced out radio we continue on with the ufo report tim senor is here and we're going to continue the Travis Taylor talk, the United States Navy talk, and whatever else comes up here on the Mighty SOR in the final half hour. Stay tuned.
All right, we're clear. Cool, cool. Hey, little Davey Altman I've... is in the studio or in the chat room. Oh, cool. Little Davey awesome. Altman. He's probably just waking up from a very long nap. Probably. I have so many notes from Melinda earlier. Oh, she was wow. incredible. Incredible. She's great. Yeah, I'm so glad that you had her on tonight. That was just great. I was on the edge of my seat. She could have brought us a taco or something to, to go along with. <laughs> and according to her, we're, we're hopefully going to get something from the task force in October, which is kind of what I had heard as well. well so we'll see. hopefully she gets something from Danny to corroborate, and that would be great. My jury is out quiet. on that. My jury is completely yeah. out on that. Completely. Yeah. The recent push from the Navy really was. Yeah. yeah. And, and also Chris Mellon kind of taking a, a step back in some of his most recent statements, I thought also posed an interesting position on his part. Mm-hmm. Not the usual aggressive move forward to transparency no no and i think he realizes the jig is up i do i might be in the minority here guys i may be in the minority but i really do feel that there was a sense of cockiness and of everything that was going on in the ufo world and there are some people who got slapped around a little bit because of what was going on and because of the games that were played. And it has been a big game. Okay. People have been affected by this in positive and negative ways. And it hasn't been pretty at times, Tim, you and I have talked about that. You yeah. Know? I think you definitely, you have to kind of step back and kind of look at the big picture of things and see how everything is kind of working to you know get an idea and also i think the fact that we can see how it kind of comes in waves you know in historical waves as a topic mm-hmm. um they wanted to and go not away. just in this country they want it to go away man they do they want it to go away they don't want it around it's a pain in their ass it's a pain in in the government's ass all right they just want it to go away and, you know, this is slightly off topic, but it goes along with exactly what Melinda was talking about earlier. And I didn't want to necessarily bring this up during the radio portion, but I did want to bring this up because it's my question. And it's unfortunate I didn't get this in front of her while she was on the show. But um, do you question the validity of this entire Wilson Davis document at all because of how the information was sourced. So, I mean, my understanding is this is based on notes from um, a talk between um, Will Mueller, Mitchell, and Greer and that discussion amongst them. And we kind of know how that machine works, right? And so if these notes are based on a discussion with that group, then what does that tell us, really? Was my just general question to you because even though wilson and davis are totally valid above them what they were 
being so, their source of material that they were working with. I'm saying, do you do you see where I'm going with it? Put it this kind way: just, I, I have always questioned the Wilson documents, but when when Grant Cameron, because I respect Grant so much, when me Grant, too. When Grant Cameron yeah. says there there there's something there, I'm going to believe it. Yeah, and. And that's... I do too. Do you think that what is there is the um, the kind of the the message being that it, it all went into the public domain, if you want to, because that way it can't be sourced through, or you know, there's no access or trail. Like, do you think that that's the big takeaway from that? Is that if there was anything, any debris, any metamaterial at any point, it was like given like she said to an aerospace company basically is that the big takeaway do you think maybe potentially maybe yeah i haven't read them all the way through because there's quite a bit of information but i have briefed myself on it and i have looked through all the documents well you are and i was looking for names and things hold on we got 20 seconds here uh big thank you to phil yj samantha pam times two dry toast and almost christmas for the amazing super chats tonight, thank you so much. If you haven't yet, please give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, and hit subscribe if you are brand new. We'd really appreciate it. Here we go. Round of third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go with Tim Senor once again on the UFO report. As you know, right before the break, we were talking about the United States Navy and some of the moves that they have made, Tim, and, and a lot of people are questioning it along with the Wilson notes and you know, hey, the Wilson notes, as little Johnny Davies brings up in the chat room, they are now part of the congressional record. That is something that I would say is very, very strong when it comes to that category. Yeah. But your topic yeah. number two here tonight is how should the world's governments respond if we detect an alien civilization? Indeed, and so... uh... You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. 
Doing your best work from home is not easy when you don't have the right space. California Closets will help you create a custom solution that works for you, your family, and your life. Whether it's a small space, shared space, multifunctional space, or kids space, our professional design consultants will help you get organized and make your space one that works better for you. Now you can love where you live and work. Schedule your free in-home or virtual design consultation today at californiaclosets.com. Academics are going back and forth, one paper at a time, concerning the response to and about geopolitical fallout from potential contact with an ETI, or extraterrestrial intelligence. And so the discussion is interesting, whether you think it's likely or even remotely possible that humanity ever contacts an ETI. And it might tell you and us even more about humanity than it does about an ETI if we do. And so a new paper titled Geopolitical Implications of a Successful SETI Program is the latest salvo in the back and forth among professional thinkers. The paper's three authors are associated with institutions including NASA, Penn State ETI Center, the Development and Department of Philosophy at Spring Hill College, and Harvard Law School. And so it's pretty interesting that this paper is being looked at. And so just very briefly... Um, they like to kind of group their concepts together into this following, and I'll give you the quote. If we passively detect a signal from an ETI, it could be troubling for religious people. The, their worldview could be severely threatened, and there may be some significant upheaval in religious countries or even religious extremist violence. But it would die down. And so would the concept across the board. And this is how the thinking goes. And people would return to their daily lives. It would be revolutionary for scientists, but most people would move on with their lives. And that's how the WT2020 paper sums up the thinking. But how would nations and their political leaders react? And that's a question I kind of had wanted to leave a little bit open and bounce it back to you. How do you feel the leaders would react as to how they wanted their countries to trickle this information out and handle it? Well, look, we already know that the Vatican has done a study on this about five, six years ago. And that got a little bit of play earlier this year again, you know, regarding how are religions going to react? How is the economy going to react? And like I said, and and I've said this a few times on this show, when I had Lou Elizondo on this show the last time, I believe it was back in April, that was one of the questions that I had asked him regarding the way people were treating each other during COVID, where we were going to the shopping malls and the average family, which would take one jug or maybe two of milk, was taking 10 or 12 now. When you know we were running out of toilet paper left, right, and center, When there was no toilet paper shortage, but for some reason, people decided that they needed to go buy, you know, $400 worth of toilet paper to make sure they didn't run out where people were doing that with food, you know, and, and all sorts of even perishable items, you know, I mean, it didn't make sense. And Elizondo basically said on the show, you bet that did, uh, come across what we were saying 
that did come across in our studies, and it should have, because people treated people on this planet like garbage. They really did, you know? Yeah, and also remember how world leaders handled the topic. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the important part here, too. And the media. The media didn't speak the truth on this, all right? The media wasn't speaking the truth. And they were divided. And and the media also ended up dividing people. Absolutely. You You know, I mean, I don't know what it was like down there, but up here, I mean, we could have a whole whole conversation on this you know about people yeah. literally literally ratting out other people because you know they were weren't wearing a mask on a sidewalk well i think you know? the, I mean, so i think you're so right that this absolutely translates into this topic because um let's just say this in this quote to further it any eti would likely have an enormous technological advantage over us and as long as the ETI wasn't malicious, that advantage presents an opportunity to the nations. And if a government monopolizes communications with the ETI, it could gain a techn- technological edge. Imagine China, Russia, or the U.S. coveting that tech advantage, or anyone for that matter. So this is kind of the lens that they're trying to focus potentially on. Now, consider this is also a study that's done by groups considering a SETI um, response. So they're getting some evidence through SETI. So that's a radio signal of some sort. And that's trying to prove out that there's an ETI. Um, You know, and so that group in itself has its own disbursement of information, perhaps its own methodology. I'm just saying, of course, this is just a paper using that as an example but again, I think that it's how it trickles down from the source. So if it was to be sort as sort again, you know, if if the source is saying this is non-malicious, there's nothing to worry about, we can do peace and harmony, right? But if they sourced it as being something and they already kind of have hinted at this UAP being a throat threat, quote unquote. So now when it's in the papers, people are there because they're concerned and looking for the threat potential. And so now if it's released that it's definitely, you know, something, their natural instinct is already going to be a threat because that's how they've been wired. Very true. Is my personal thought. And, you know. and we wired people. During during the pandemic, people got wired. Okay? People were watching out, you know, and I've never seen anything like it. I don't ever want to see it again. I really don't yeah. ever want to see it again neighbors ratting out neighbors because they have family over for Christmas or New Year's calling the police on each other. That is horrible. Horrible. And long story short, uh, like I said, I could get into that debate big time right now, but um, you know, it's not really what we do. But let us bring up this part. Okay? We know that any form of extraterrestrial intelligence that we find it will if, put it this way: if it's two point three billion light years away, we're not going to worry about it. We're probably going to cheer on uh, uh, whatever. It's going to make people pay a little bit more attention to UFOs, but overall, people will you know forgive and forget. But if it's something that's in our skies, if it's something on Mars or Jupiter or Titan or Saturn or Venus. Uh, you know, like Valiant Thor, 
then we are in for an entire t- entire different experience right because, yeah. because if we start seeing them here and arriving here not we as in the ufo field i'm saying we as the general public who pays no attention to this subject if they start seeing things that's where it hits the fan and how yeah. cl- how close are they what does their technology look like how strong is the signal whatever it may be because like i said religion the economy military industrial complex everything is going to affect and how many times do i have to say it tim there is a handful of people controlling this entire narrative for 7.75 billion that's scary yeah Very and scary. i mean stephen king just asked this same question in twitter recently and some of the responses from the public on how we would react with the knowledge i found some disturbing some funny some positive some you know and what it tells me is that it's a mixed bag um it is kind of what these what this paper describes that you know there would be turmoil initially Mm -hmm. but it would level out especially if it was something we didn't need to worry about how many and what if we sorry how many lives is that going to cost though okay because look at the great depression man people were committing you know, taking their own lives, jumping from buildings because they just lost everything. You know, parents were selling their children on their doorsteps. There's that famous picture of the lady selling her children because they she couldn't afford to feed them. You know, I mean, that's not that long ago. Still less than 100 years ago. Okay. Right. What happens here? All right. How many, how many lives is this going to cost? You're going to get the people who who are depressed and anxious who decide to check out early because, you know, there are certain words we can't use on YouTube. All right? You're going to get the people who just say, screw it. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go into my bunker with my family. We're never going to see the daylight again. Okay? What happens to them when they lose it? What happens to the people who, uh, you know, are partying like it's fourteen ninety nine, just like the Prince song, all right? And, and everything from the stars is evil. Yeah. Um, we'll also consider, you know, Travis Taylor. We were talking about him earlier, but before he was a member of the task force, he wrote a book, and um, actually there was a film or a series um, that was made about the book, and it was literally called Alien Invasion, kind of like the what-to or the how-to guide, or what to, what to expect sort of thing. Um, and that book was on the director uh, when they put together the UAP task force. That book was on that guy's desk. Like, he'd already read Travis's book. So we know that this is a discussion that's being had. We know it's a mm-hmm. real topic. It's a consideration. Um Again, we shouldn't plan for disaster necessarily, but we should prepare, you know, for the potential. Always prepare. Um, but I found that very interesting, and I just had to circle that back in. And you can find that book um, and that film, and I recommend it. It's a little hard to watch, you know, but um, it demonstrates the possibilities, you know. Well, hey, so 
as long as people are paying attention to what is going on and what is going to happen. Look, if they come out, this this is where I get a little upset, Tim, because let's face it, there's 70 plus years of cover up here since Roswell, the new age of ufology started at Roswell. Yeah. All right. There is 70 plus years of cover up here. And we, as much as they try to take that away from us, okay, saying, no, 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 we're only focusing on 2004 forward, okay? As much as they try to take it away from us, we must stand set steadfast. What did you learn from Roswell on forward? The military-industrial complex does not want to give that up. That's technology. That's potential ET contact. That's potential, you know, world and universe-changing areas there that they are holding for themselves. And they don't want to give it up to us. They just don't. And that is bothersome. Very. It's also bothersome that a split decision that was probably made by only a few men controlled the destiny of this topic so much. I agree. I agree. That's completely scary. It's completely scary. And the problem is they have the upper hand in this subject and will always have the upper hand in this subject as long as the mainstream doesn't care from the people to the media. They will always have the upper hand. And even in these notes that were just released, we see a reference to the Condon report. We know if they're referencing that, that they're getting potentially convoluted data, right? Or, or just any any of the older sources, like because right because um, it's coming from sources that were trying to manipulate the topic, and so that is incredibly frustrating. That not only did they try with Roswell to throw a wrench into the works. Um, and disguise the the truth, um, but the technology was lost. You know that's the biggest um, frustration. And so, what I find incredibly interesting in these new notes that were released, and I find the most compelling, and probably true, um, was that the technology was sunk into large aerospace tech corporations. I find that incredibly, you know, validating for what I think we already all knew. But I think to see it in writing kind of proves back that maybe there was something to Roswell, really. And like, let's revisit it. So you're absolutely right. Let's look at when the Air Force was created and why. Let's look at why Space Force is being created now and why. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's all absolutely relative in the fact that these notes are coming out now at the same time as the Wilson documents being put into the congressional um, database. I feel like that is also timed out very interestingly. It's all, you know, part of it. And this Navy pushback seems like kind of expected in, in relative understanding to what's going on. I think we could have expected that. All right, let's get to topic really, number really, three. Yeah. Please. Subglacial lakes and alien debris on Mars? Yeah. 
So a new study suggests the presence of liquid water and recent geothermal activity under the southern polar cap of Mars. And so an environment favorable to life. And so that is just um, as recent as 15 hours ago. It's pretty recent um, information. And then also, very recently, NASA has um, reported that an, an object fell off its helicopter's leg, uh, the Perseverance helicopter up on Mars. So it had landed, I think, on like the 34th takeoff. It took off. And some debris was stuck to one of its legs and it was captured on video and they were able to kind of take a look at it. And it's foreign material that they don't believe came from the rover or the Perseverance uh, drone, if you will. And so very interesting. They're calling it alien material. And so the possibilities of life having existed at some point there, you know, who knows? You know, we have Earth plus plastic. Maybe there's Mars plus plastic, and this was just like a soda can, uh, you know, link that got caught in this rover, you know, liftoff leg. And here we have evidence of some alien debris coming from NASA. So even they are calling it alien debris, and I find that incredibly interesting. Of course they do. Of course they do. Life on Mars, buddy. Well, you know what? That will... David Bowie was right. That... I mean, David Bowie was absolutely right. Well, yeah, no <laughs> the kidding. The spiders from Mars. You know, but here's the thing, too. Will this give credence to all those those researchers out there who study thousands upon thousands of photos from Mars over the years and saying, you know, well, this looks like a person, and this looks like a scorpion, and this looks like a wrench, you know, or look at how tightly cut those lines are. That looks like the shape of a building, you know. I mean, we've Pyramids. all seen them. We've all seen them, yeah. right? I mean, what yeah. do you think? I think it's compelling. I, I absolutely think that life has existed before humanity. You know, I also think that it could have existed on this planet and been devastated out and were, re, you know, a, you know, another formation of life obviously there was dinosaurs that walked without man so there's been lots of life that's taken place and who knows what kind of life could have existed on mars well i'm sure something did we're going to find out i bet you that something bacterial at least um and who knows what what kind of turmoil happened at some point and burnt off potentially a race of beings who knows but i i do believe that there's life that has at least existed at some point within our solar system. It may not be there now, but I think that life has existed within our solar system other than humanity, some sort of intelligent, I'll say intelligent life. Let's, let's even go to that step. Cause I think that's wow. important. You're moving on up. It, with it, well, I mean, uh, why not? And that, I mean, that is just within our solar system. I think we're starting to see evidence you know, that there was something else somewhere that came here, potentially. You know, I'm open. I'm open to it. Definitely in our universe. Okay? Definitely in our universe. Um, but, you know, that's just kind of the numbers game. Um, has something from the outside there gotten here? That's a tough one. You know, I, I think it's possible. 
but um, I'm still on the edge, buddy. I can't, I can't swing the hammer on it yet. You know, I, I'm got that scientific mind that just needs the, the evidence. I need, I need the evidence. So, you know, when I see things like this, some plastic on the rover, you know, like I get excited. I'm like, see, maybe, maybe, or whatever this is. We don't know that it's plastic. Some kind of alien debris on the Perseverance right. rover. Well, my friend, it's exciting. it is that time of the night to say goodnight to you. Thank you for a wonderful UFO it's been report, fun as per usual. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you. All and thank right. you, audience, for putting up with our and my banter. Especially the hockey one. I'll take blame for that one tonight, buddy. <laughs> hey, we got Mr. Ron Bubblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brothers watching. Bubblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, Spreaker, LGAP, Facebook, Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us because together, my friends. We're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. I'm Amy, and this is my life with California Closets. This is an amazing time in my life. We got married, new home, baby on the way. I needed my own sanctuary space. California Closets worked with us to give us everything we wanted. When I enter my closet, it's calm, it's organized. It's its own oasis. This closet is my dream closet. Schedule your free design consultation today at californiaclosets.com.